The following podcast may be explicit. It may contain references to and examples of bodily functions. It may also contain infantile humor and profane language. It may also contain some useful information about the tabletop RPG hobby. If you find any of these things offensive, stop listening now. Burger. Thank you for joining us. Season 12, episode 13 of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. This is Jib. This is Stork. And we're all here, live, on mic. <laughs> dun, dun, dun! At least, at least we didn't go for like 20, 30 minutes before you went, Hey, wait a minute, what's yeah. wrong with this microphone? <laughs> all right. <laughs> what um, the crap? A couple quick things I wanted to talk about. Uh, t-shirts. If you are watching live, you may notice I'm wearing this fabulous t-shirt that says, Please stop... Talking to my experience points, it's got the Happy Jacks logo on the back, which you can't see. And uh, they're now available. You can buy them at uh, angryfolk.com slash store, or if you want right. to go directly to that item, that's the bag right there. Did uh, you call me? With a... <laughs> a and but you're my bag. <laughs> you're my bag too, Jim. I'd rather be <laughs> your bag than a tea bag. I was going to say there was a very sexy model modeling these shirts on 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 the internet with the day. with the pucker duck puss. Yep, that's right, with the pucker yep. duck puss. Um, but you can get them. Uh, also, you can go directly to happyjacks.org/slash/stop-talking-shirt. I think will take you directly to that page. And uh, there's also some Boggards and Wives CDs on there as well. In fact, today I sold a shirt and two CDs, which I think was awesome. Sweet. Uh, sold about twenty of them so far online. Twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, something like that. Um, so they're moving. I only bought a hundred. So, if you would like one, and they have sizes small through three X L, and I believe there is one or two four Xs left. You have to look because it. I'm it, tracking inventory online. And they're only men's shirts, right? They're they're men's style shirts. The so. Boggards once actually made women's shirts, and we bought them all really small. Yeah. And, and we thought it was great. It was awesome, <laughs> right? And the girls put them on and said, "Do I look good in this?" And we went, "Yes, yes, <laughs> yes they do." <laughs> they didn't. They, they didn't, were. They were like so mad. We still had so many shirts left over. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, they're there. If you want to go buy one, go get one. Um, I. It's kind of getting iffy if I can get it to you by Gen Con now, because I think Gen Con starts on Wednesday or thir- Thursday, but people will probably leaving by Wednesday, I would imagine. Yeah. And that's going to be. Is it next? It is next week, right? Yep. I don't know if I can get them out to you. By Gen Con. I mean, I can try, but I mean, they're going out. Uh, they're going out priority mail, which is one, two, or three days, depending how far you are from Pasadena, California, and so. how ambitious the postal service is. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So far, the longest has been three days, and also, if you are uh, an international listener, uh, you can't buy it through that store. However, if you go on our forum and you private message me on the forum or email me, I suppose. And give me what address you would want it sent to. I can tell you how much the shirt will be plus postage. Uh, and then you can PayPal it to me. I can deduct it from the inventory so the inventory is accurate and then send it to you. So I'm, I, I can, I will work with with our international listeners to make sure if they want a shirt, they get a fucking that's, shirt. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So that that's a lot of work awesome. on your end. Very cool. It, yeah, it is. It's a lot of work to fulfill all those goddamn orders. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're I'm just not getting ready yeah. for the Kickstarter because uh, that's what happens what? when you do a Kickstarter. Oh, only times one million. <laughs> oh, can you... Oh, Jesus. You'd have to... Yeah, I, there's no way. I'd have to hire someone. I'd have to take... 
Vacation Speaking of buying time. things, can I talk oh, about that? Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, Speaking of things that you need to go buy, uh, you must go buy How to Be a GURPS GM, written by friend of the show and personal friend Warren Mook Wilson. The Mook? That is so totally fucking awesome. Yeah. He's um, now a published author. That's awesome. Yes. Um, and I've got my copy, and I just, I've been reading, reading it, and it, you know, He's such a genius. <laughs> yeah, I'm, 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 I'm waiting for my complimentary review copy, but if I, may have to go, I may have to go buy it. It's going to be two groups of gods squaring off here, right? Stu's no, gonna, Stu's no, the no, journalist. No. He's, no, I would, I, I would. Um, in fact, I, I found out because he ordered a shirt, so I, I know where he lives. Um, <laughs> but he's, he's much more local than I thought he was. So. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, get in touch with me if you want to come on the show, man. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, go buy that. That's at uh, is it E twenty three, E twenty three, which is the electronic store for Steve Jackson games. Give the, give the title again, and uh, so, like, so they could Google how to be a GURPS GM. If you do and that is a and book type about in GMing GURPS, you could probably find a link to yeah. it. Oh yeah, um, and uh, we, I bet we can put a link in the show notes for that. Oh, absolutely, yeah, I'll absolutely do so. that. So there's that. Gene was trying to get a hold of him to see if he wanted to come in and plug it personally, <laughs> but I guess he's he's not he's unavailable. Uh, Strategic Con start is in like three weeks or whatever. Gateway right around weeks. the corner. That's uh, Labor Day tw- weekend, twenty ninth, thirtieth, thirty first, and September first. LAX Hilton Hotel. Yep. Mm. There we go. Um, so many games at nine o'clock on Saturday morning. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it's gonna um, be packed. Yeah, so many games. Uh, None on Sunday. No players. So, well, no, yeah, the, the, actually, GMs. there are a ton of them are on there? Sunday. Because that's the hangover slot. It's the Sunday um, at nine o'clock. Yeah. My daughter may be <laughs> joining me at the con on Sunday. Heather might drop her off Sunday morning, Sweet. and then I'll spend the day with her, and then we'll come home on Monday. That'll be awesome. I, I think. I think. I'm not sure. That'll be awesome. Yeah. Get them. Get them hooked early. Try to. Well, t- Try out that games on demand thingy that yeah. uh, that Sandoval's working on. So. Totally. Um. So there you go. Uh, I saw you had games up. Oh yeah, right. I have two games up. Uh, Dave and I are running a traveler game and a um um freak show game. So cool. I don't know what our hours are. I haven't checked the site uh, in the last couple of days. You are eight on Friday. I think that's your traveler uh-huh. game. And the other one is at 9 on Saturday because you're opposite me. There we go. You never get to play in each other's games. No. 8 on Friday. That's my drinking hour. Yeah. I know, nine, right? 9 o'clock Saturday We might be morning. drinking while we're gaming. It's not been unheard of. Just within our community. Just within our community. The three of us are all running. Um, Tyler is running. Uh, Mouser is running. And Jim Waters is running. All at 9 o'clock. On that sucks because I was hoping to maybe try to drop in on a Mauser game to see how fate works. And I hear he runs a good a good fate game. He does run a good fate game. Um, uh, I I bet we could talk him into coming up and running a game up here for you. Oh, that also that reminds me, Will H also has he just emailed me. T- yeah, he emailed me a second time, and I swear to God, I'm not ignoring him. But I forgot to respond again. But uh, he also <laughs> offered to, to, to come down and, and GM a game. Will's been doing it a long time. Will, yeah. yeah. So, um... Yep. Yep. <sighs> so one other Any other thing. business? Oh, oh um... Go ahead. Well, your wife is not in town. 
Oh, yeah. If you are <laughs> in Wisconsin or Illinois or anywhere near the Bristol Renaissance Fair, which is somewhere over there, somewhere between here and New York. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> Wisconsin, one of those wide flat places. If you're and you pretty much have to be listening live because this episode, by the time it's up, they're going to be on a plane back. Is it Virginia? No, no, they're in Wisconsin. 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 Yeah, Wisconsin. Um, And I know it's close to Illinois because about half the band went to go visit Chicago and I guess eat hot dogs and get robbed. It's a toddling town. (laughs) But they um, they will be playing at the Bristol Renaissance Fair this weekend only. So if you want to go out and show them some Happy Jack's love. That's figuratively, uh, then you should do that. Hey, what happens at Renfair stays at Renfair. No, no, no. It usually always. makes the press. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, so yeah, there's that. Also, uh, the 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 um, listener survey is still up. If you want to take it, uh, happyjacks.org slash 2014 survey. There's like 213 responses last time I looked. Um, and it, it, it's it it has already changed the show. I will tell well, you that now. To tune it up and yeah, uh, now give you what you want. And, and after we do our topic, our topic is going to be kind of brief. Um, and then we're going and then I want to move on to uh, emails. But before we talk about emails, I will want to talk briefly about the email conundrum again because it's backfired horribly. Uh huh. Anyway, <laughs> I wanted to talk about. Ways that you, when you're sitting at the table and something happens and someone comes along and says, I want to go and I want to talk to the guy inside this store, a store that you had just made up, and says, I need to talk to the guy behind the counter. I'm going to introduce myself. Hi, my name is Bob. And then suddenly you're going from, you're in a store and you're dealing with, quote unquote, the shopkeep to Dave the shopkeep. And suddenly this is a person who needs to interact with someone and they need to go from being the guy who's facilitating the transaction that we were basically kind of going to hand wave into an actually full-blown into NPC. Into a role-playing moment. Into a role-playing moment, into an actual right. NPC who probably has a voice and a personality and an outlook on life. How do you, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but I want to kind of, do you have some things that you very quickly use to kind of come up with maybe like a shorthand version of an NPC on the fly. I do. Um, I actually have precisely three. Okay. Um, and that is a voice, and it might be an accent. It might be a manner of, a manner of speaking. It might be a way that they, you know, use words. Like they might use, say bisquats. Mm-hmm. Um, or... Uh, Sherd. Sherds. <laughs> I got some pottery sherds. Um, and I know you were right. I mean, he was right the, the whole time. And, and the, okay, I'll come back to that. Um, so, a voice, a figure of speech, mm-hmm. um, catchphrase, something that they say, you know, a lot. I'd buy that for a dollar. Yeah, I'd buy that for a dollar. Um, and a oh. manner is like. Right. Even if I had that voice, I'd be a millionaire. Oh yeah, and um, a mannerism. Okay. So. So um, a, a voice. A voice, a catchphrase, a mannerism. Now, how do you have a technique you use to come up with those on the fly? Do you prepare for those? Mo- like, I'm assuming we're talking about you're coming up with an NPC unprepared, right. as in you're. This is an NPC that you're making up on the fly. 
They it, suddenly decided they wanted to go to the blacksmith shop right. to buy and buy stuff. It happens all the time. They go shopping. All of a sudden now, and then they might come back too. Right. So you might. So like, now I gotta have like, a person. Right. Like okay. Um, kind of in a rapid fire sequence, uh, a pretty common set of thoughts go flitting through my mm-hmm. fevered imagination. Um, what is this per? What is this person's purpose? What is, What is their reason? Why mm-hmm. are they here? Um, how do they fit into the social universe in which we're in at the moment? And what do they want? What is the thing that dry that they care about? Mm-hmm. The those three questions usually lead me pretty quickly to those three characterization points okay. <clears throat> of a character. <clears throat> so um, they've gone to the blacksmith shop and they've said, and they've we've just elevated this. I want to go buy. I got to go buy a new dagger. Right. To now, I'm going to talk to you know Bruce the blacksmith. And so, who is Bruce the Blacksmith? Uh, well, Bruce the Blacksmith is, um, well, he's a big, strong guy because, you know, he's a blacksmith. And that's, you know, he hits, beats on metal all day. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but he's not from here. He came here. So, where did he come from? He came from someplace else. And um, so, he's kind of an outsider here. And um, he is driven by... Um, you know, his. We're gonna get take a leaf from a player book. His family was killed, and he is secretly trying to find the person who did it. Okay. Bam. Now I've got, and so I've got some idea, some things that give me some characterization for him. And so, just off the top of my head, Bruce is probably probably doesn't talk a whole lot, and when he does, he kind of probably speaks low. Mm-hmm. And to the point and doesn't use a lot of words. Right. Um, and he tends to look at everyone with a certain suspicion. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't have a catchphrase leaping to mind at the moment, but I'd, I could, I'd come up with something. I always go back to I'd buy that for a dollar myself. Oh, no, that one's easy. Robocop. Right. Um, yeah. You dress in the manner of a male prostitute. <laughs> <laughs> That's another one of my favorites. But <laughs> is that from Robocop? But no. And then, beca- and usually Mystery. what I'll do is I'll I'll very quickly make those notes on an index card. I right. keep a stack of index cards handy for this purpose, mm-hmm. and I'll make those notes on an index card with the guy's name, and I'll just kind of tuck that aside, right. and I'll leave it. And then after the game, I go into one note and I add them into the the list of of NPCs. Okay. Um. And once they're there, and I have those notes about them, they don't need any stats. Sure. They just need that information. Right. And um, one other piece of information I add when they go into one note is what is their basic attitude towards the party. Mm-hmm. You're going to find this hard to believe, but I actually find this very hard to do. Uh-huh. Uh, or a couple of reasons. First of all, my NPCs tend to be kind of zany. You know, really, I have a hard time. <laughs> I would it serious. never expected that of you. So suddenly, you know, the the blacksmith has one arm and he sounds like Shaggy. You know, and it's and then it just it snowballs from there. Stu's already laughing. I, I don't intend that, but that's what happens. Um, well, okay, and then we the, all play to our strengths. <laughs> the second thing is, I, I, 
I find it to be, it can be kind of derailing after a while. It's, it's almost masturbatory. It feels like it's masturbatory for me to be sitting around performing uh, this, this inconsequential NPC for, for 20 minutes. And I get it, it's a role-playing game, but... 20 minutes? That's some stamina. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm old. <laughs> I didn't say it was hard for 20 minutes. <laughs> Just... It took me that long to get there. But anyway, <laughs> my, uh, and so I tend to most of my NPCs because I know that I if I if I start to get too carried away, get zany, tend to talk in my normal voice. Uh, maybe they'll be a little bit quick, and I'm trying to impart information to get them in and out pretty quick. Now, the bookkeeping thing has been a problem for me in the past and long because. If you make a memorable PC, yeah, let's go back and visit that one-armed blacksmith again. Oh, shit. What was the voice I used on him? Right. Anybody remember? Um, what did he look like? That was like two months ago. I don't remember. I mean, there's hundreds of NPCs in between there. And that's always been the hardest part for me is remembering what I did on the fly that one game two months ago. Mm-hmm. Index cards are your friends. Uh, yes. Yes, I guess so. <clears throat> And and well, I mean I'm using OneNote now to organize my campaigns because mm-hmm. I didn't realize it was as searchable as it is. Oh yeah, and that m- really has made it uh, a fabulous way to organize right. PCs. And something NPCs. we because we were talking about OneNote when we were recording Moment of Truth, mm-hmm. um, they just released an update with things like many of the things that we were talking about. Like I can now drop a file into it. Oh, yeah. I can, yeah, I can I've, I've add that. additional links. I can add media. I can do all those things that I could do before that I really like about one. Just note. the mm-hmm. fact that it's searchable is amazing. Oh, yeah. So he can go blacksmith uh, Muritsubishi Toshi and up comes the three blacksmith shops. And he goes, oh, yeah. uh, what, do you remember which one it was? Oh, here it is. Bam. Yeah, right. And he's up and running. Oh, yeah. Like there's going to be three. <laughs> Once you guys have glommed onto one blacksmith right. down, right. you're always going back to the same guy. The the um, the thing that I uh, the just very quickly about OneNote, the um, I noticed that inadvertently because I'm like, I wonder if I can drop a PDF into this. Yeah, and I dragged it and I dropped it, and then it said, "Do you want to store the file here, or do you want to display it as an image?" I'm like, "Oh, that's I want, awesome. I want to embed it. Yes, I would please. like to embed it as an image, please, so I can just look at it when I click on this little." The tab. one thing you have to be careful about doing the that size of the file is it balloons the size of your file. I yeah. bet, yeah, yeah, because I've got like a um, uh, and OneNote now all of that stuff by default gets stored up in the cloud. Right, right. And it also stores locally when you're... Yes. It keeps a copy there, right? So, like, when we... when I Actually, I should ask you this, because this is going to be important, because I'm doing all my uh, my con game stuff in OneNote. When yeah. we go to the con and we're in the basement, which is the dead zone of internet access... Right. You'll be able to get As long as it's on the, it was on the laptop. Yes. Okay. You'll be able to get to it and you'll be able to update it. However... But, but it won't sync until it won't I sync. get back out into the right. real world. Okay. right. So going back to the topic here, right. briefly, I, there's some there's some tables out there, but there's also some lists of things mm-hmm. like name, character, and uh, a trade or whatever. Now, I know those are out there. If you if you like me, feel pressured or or you don't trust yourself to come up with a straight NPC, find a couple of these tables and just pick one from column A, one from column B, and one from column C. That gives you a framework. He's uh, fat, fat and fifty or fifty four and fat. He's um he's got a family and a child and the then here's the name of the store you know the the white oak and and yep. lion you There's know something right. you could Done. do in one note mm-hmm. um, <laughs> drag um, so much for trying to keep it back on topic oh, no, this, no, is no, on, no, this is on topic oh, okay. this is going to be useful um, you could link in like an Excel spreadsheet file 
that has columns of like names. Oh, there you go. Or characteristics, or and apply a randomizer to it and go boink, and oh, you could actually. You and I, I'd have to look at how you do it because, but you could drop a button in there that you would go click, and it would give you like a first name, a last name, and a characteristic. I would love right. that. That, like, that because now all of a sudden you have a framework to play around in, and it's and you don't. Your players aren't going to sit around and go, "You're just being a dick." How come you being, you know, like, well, shit? I just decided he was going to be a gruff asshole. But you know, no, the table, the table picked gruff asshole. That's his characteristic. So don't blame me. <laughs> the uh, yeah, I, I've actually, I was actually thinking about putting that because because I, I, wrote, I wrote like a random uh, name generator in in PHP. PHP. And I was thinking about maybe writing something like an NPC generator with like you know characteristic words, but I don't think you can put PHP in OneNote. I seriously doubt it. Does a lot of things. Probably not that though. Um, what I could do though is I no, could, but you could re you could redo it in um, uh, VB apps. And if you have internet access, you could just put a link. I don't know what those words mean. But if I don't, <laughs> but I don't have internet access down in the pit yeah. where we play, um, you could run, run the engine a, a on server. your local machine. That's what I, I, was also, I know that there's just some online ser- uh, that do NPCs. They do names generator. Right. There's even like a book generator where you can come up with titles for books in case oh, yeah. somebody goes to the library. Yeah. Well, I'm pull out a book. What's it called? Bastard. Uh, hold on a minute. Uh, and up comes a bunch of books for them to enjoy. So, because your players will do that just to see if you're on your toes. They like oh, to sure. fuck around with you like that way. Okay, back to the topic. Back yeah. to the topic. The, Sorry. I, the, 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 I think for me, the the number one, and, and Jib's already mentioned it, the most useful and most helpful piece of information, if I'm going to try to portray an NPC, is that NPC that NPCs either look on life or what they want out of life or that sort of right. thing their outlook <clears throat> because everything else is going to get colored by that mm-hmm. everything so if i've got a, a character and it doesn't matter where he is and and i you know i would almost write it like it was a um, i don't know if it you would call it an aspect like a fate aspect or something like but like no good, no good deed gets un goes unpunished. Or just a personality trait. Or some you know, know, better war vet. No, that's not. But it's, it's my turn. Oh, sorry. But what I'm talking <laughs> about is uh, is is narrowing in on what it is about that NPC that makes him see the world differently than anyone else, because every decision he makes can be based on that. So that's usually the first thing I try to come up with, and. If I if I'm in a hurry, that's pretty much the only thing I'll come up with. I don't even really bother coming up with a voice for the most part, because a lot of times it doesn't really well, matter. When I said voice, I specifically let did not say accent. Okay, because right. it doesn't have to be an accent; it just might be something about the way they speak, the, the manner of speech, or right. something. Right. Um, you know, I'm a tenor. I tend to have a little bit higher voice. Um, but if someone has a lower voice, I will just set out to do that. Right. But I, 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 I may not even get to that point because once I know what, how this guy looks at life, I can pretty much answer any question the PCs are going to have, and it informs their, it informs their, their actual voice. Yeah, it, it absolutely can. Yeah, their, or their accent, and it it will inform how you deal with the players as well. Right. Right. So it's a simple thing, and however it gets the, gets you there, gets you there. I mean, I, bitter war vet will get me there just as much as, uh, sure, burned out. Right. Um, years ago, I was running a D and D game, and and just because 
that's the way things worked out. Every time they'd run into a dwarf, the dwarf would have a Scottish accent because it entertained me to do that. Right. And then, but there was this one dwarf NPC that they ran into who was like didn't have anything to do with the the dwarven you know community at, at mm-hmm. all, and he totally did not, and that totally threw the the player characters for the players for a loop. <laughs> it was what the fuck is with this odd they are dwarf? Expecting the dwarf to talk like this, <laughs> and when he didn't, they were like, "What? What? what what's his deal, man?" It was, it was you know, it, it was a little thing. That made a huge difference to that. Oh, sure. And it made him stand out. Made him stand out. Made them suspicious of him, probably, too. It did. You're, um, it scared did. the fuck out of him. Your, your trait thing, or, or whatever we decided we were going to call it, um, reminded me of something I brought up before with NPCs, which is uh, an old uh, improv trick or acting trick, which is animal forms. Oh, right. Where you pick an animal, like, say, uh, a wolf, and then the qualities of a wolf will in- inflect your NPC. And it's a really quick way of just a one-word thing. Wolf, wolverine, ferret, rat, mouse, I really cat. like that idea. And it, and it really... Gives that 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 what would just be a random encounter sudden uh, some baggage that you can hang on to and then imply towards your conversations with the M, with the PCs. I I really totally love that idea and I just thought of a way that I might for me personally might add on to it and that is to take the the four elements of antiquity earth air water fire. And add them in front of it. So what, whatever gets you there, man. <laughs> well, no, no. The idea is that gives me a little bit of extra... That's ex- what I say about masturbation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit of extra characterization in one word. Yeah. You know, because um, a fire wolf is a little bit different than an earth wolf. Okay. I mean, but there's a lot of different ways to play a wolf. I, I, I've talked about this before, but I know for a fact that when... Um, uh, who's the guy that played Hannibal? Uh, Hannibal Lecter. Um, um, um. Anyway, when he was coming up with the character Hannibal Lecter, he he chose to play Hopkins. him as a as a reptile. Anthony Hopkins. Thank you, uh, Tony Hopkins. And in fact, when you watch his performance, he's, his eyes very rarely blink. He just sort of has that vacant stare. Jeez. And as he talks, his s's get longer. <laughs> All of that is informed Hot. by a reptile. Now, uh, also the guy that played in Farscape, he was also the one-armed man in The Fugitive, but in Farscape, plays this sort of reptile thing, and he sort of has this sort of squint. And he's also very sort of lizard-like. Oh, you're talking about Scarabus or... Uh, yeah, s- that guy. But if you ever watched... Whatever the bondage suit. And yeah. how he talks and sort of looks at you with his hooded eyelids. It's another way to play a lizard. Scorpius. And it's that. Thank you. It's another way to play a lizard kind of informed character and yet right. two radically different personalities. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Informed probably by the same animal. Mm-hmm. So, and again, uh, that'll shorten your one-note notes, too. It just says, uh, barkeep, wolf, uh, and then you can write earth, air, fire, whatever mm-hmm. it takes to get you there. Yeah, no, whatever works for you. <laughs> right. I just, just, you know, I like clarity. You go with ferret a lot, though, huh? I do. <laughs> Ferrets and rats. Because you're always dealing with, with weaselly people. Right. You know, and they're always, uh, yeah, what can I, what can I get you? <laughs> you know. And it's, it's, <laughs> okay. Your typical. How many times are you channeling Charles Nelson Riley? It's more Steve Buscemi. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, what can I get you? Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh,. No, we're not sponsored by OneNote. They're talking to the <laughs> Yeah, right. So we've sold out to the program that 
I didn't pay a penny for. Nope. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't either. <laughs> See, that's that's that would be typical of us. You know that we are making absolutely no money, and so we're going to you know be sponsored by a program that's free because that's how <laughs> well, we are. One note is actually it. not free. Well, the version I have is. Well, I get that you can you can get a version of it for free, but it comes with a Microsoft Office. I don't have Microsoft Office. I just downloaded it. I went to OneNote.com and then yeah, bloop. I don't have Office. How'd I get it? Um, well. Uh, let's not go into the legalities. I didn't. Here. I didn't thieve it. Uh-huh. No, no. Microsoft releases most a lot of their stuff with a, a what is functionally a community edition. Okay. All right. Um, so I, I may not have all of the functionality. I've never even seen any. Possible. It's never even said to me, "Hey, you know, you can buy this, upgrade to the version now, and get all this." I, I know that I have a lot. Have some of their development tools. Oh, okay. That are that are that way. And it, oh, you know what? You know where they might get you is when you start running out of cloud space. That might do it. That's probably that where they're going to get. That's probably where I'm going to find right. out. So far, it's free for me on the, freemium on the Mac universe, on the Mac platform. But right, I'm on PC. I, well, I, I'm I haven't. Sure I'll have to pay for. I it can't run it on this Mac because I can't update this Mac any farther, or else Pro Tools might break. <laughs> don't don't do it. And I ain't doing that. So, and I can't run OneNote on this version of the Mac OS. Right. So that that thing will never have it on it, but I've got it on all my laptops. Yeah, and uh, maybe maybe it. Well, no, it didn't come free. I had to download it and install it. I don't know. Although right. there's, there's someone on here, uh, Lokio says that there's a program called Scrivener. Is it, Scrivener is Scrivener is a very good tool. Um, is it? Yeah, Scrivener is actually designed for authors mm-hmm. to use to like write, and, and you can write an. Wildly different kinds of things with it, but the basic idea is you're going to write a book, and what it does is it um, allows you to assemble your your book in book form, and then uh, you can save it into Word format. That is, for example, um, the standard submission format that publishers want. Oh, okay. All right. Um, Really, it allows you to format your own book then, which is pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Scrivener's a great tool. Or manuscript format. Right. Manuscript format. Um, It's ugly. There's another tool that works. It it, um, is more for self-publishing than Scrivener. Um, And it's called iBooks Author. It's it's a Mac thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm really digging iBooks author yeah. because I can create a book and and format it and theme it and and whatnot pretty quickly and give you know throw my own art into it and those sorts of things and basically build a book. Oh, okay. Pretty quickly, which is handy. And of course, people are mentioning Evernote as well. Which Evernote, is, which I, I, I used for a long time. I've actually stopped using it because I like OneNote better, um, and I don't know why. I um, use Evernote for taking notes. Because I think it's awesome for that, but mm-hmm. OneNote is better for making thing making a document, right? Kind of thing than Evernote is, in my opinion. And I know that there are people who use Evernote to do that, and that's awesome. It didn't work that way for yeah. me very. Well. Are you creating your campaigns in OneNote now too? Yep. Everything's just typed directly, and you're not having. Oh, yeah. yep. You're not making notes on everything. That's no. Nope. Cool. I'll make documents. Like I made a a, a memo that you guys might one day find. Mm-hmm. And I have a physical copy of that in my thing to hand to you guys in the game if you ever find it. But I also scanned it in, and I have a copy of it in OneNote as oh, yeah. well. Oh, yeah. And you I, have our character sheets and things and like all that in there? I, have, I don't have your whole character sheets, but I have like summaries of your characters with a lot of your stats on there, yeah. I, I do the exact same thing. That's I have pretty tabs powerful. For, for, 
you know, the the background tabs for ongoing plots, yeah. tabs for characters, tabs for NPCs, tabs for things. Things you find in the game that are interesting. Right. Um, yeah, and that was particularly important in the Sturmgeist game <clears throat> because Sturmgeist game was so much about things because that was kind of the idea is that they were trying to find these artifacts and whatnot before the Nazis could get to them. Damn Here's Nazis. a million dollar idea for the day. In a couple of years, the paper-thin, um, wafer-thin uh, video screens are going to be available. We just make interactive GM screens that hook up with OneNote. And you just put an extra GM screen that the players see. Change. I love this plan. That would be the shit. I know <laughs> I love this plan. I want it now. If you, if you had a, a lot of money, you could construct a GM screen out of iPads. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You'd have like um, three, three flat screen monitors. As iPads get. The, one of the things that I, I see coming from a technological standpoint, and the reason I bring this up is it's going to be really useful for GMs is when tablets get thinner mm-hmm. and lighter taking three three or four of them and linking them together and having them talk to each other oh so it's like one big continuous screen exactly right? And that's going to happen. It's just a matter of time. That will be fucking crazy. Oh, yeah. Can it's going to be fucking expensive when it starts to. Grab me a couple more. Yes. Thank you. Uh, for the, before we get on to the email, um, that e- my email plea has completely fucking backfired. Right. Uh, now that nobody's writing in anything anymore. No, 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 oh. no. Exactly the opposite. Oh, I see. Getting yes. all kinds of emails. So obviously the quickest way to motivate our listeners is to tell I, them not to do something. I plugged the email address last week. I complained about the length of emails. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill had suggested that you know tag as we've suggested for a long time. Tag something as urgent if it's if it's really urgent, and also if you're a new listener, tag it as a new listener because um, that would I mean want to get new listeners to be able to contribute to the show as quickly as possible, right? right? So I basically went through what would have been this week's episode, and I blew out a lot of the emails because they were old. That all the all of the player agency versus all the armor those, class things. The, uh, yeah, the, uh, the new armor class debate. <laughs> those got those got got moved. I basically updated. I said, okay, what emails have I gotten this week? There's a couple that I kept in there because I wanted to talk about them. And then, tell <laughs> look, the new ones between Monday <laughs> and today, I got. About four times as much email as we can read in an episode. <laughs> well, at least we're not getting emails from that crazy jib guy. Anymore. Half of them are marked urgent. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> of course they are. Yeah, you're suddenly getting so, more in peace now, as opposed to. And I still got I got at least four emails that in the text said, "I'm sorry for the length of this email." <laughs> so um, okay. are, do they really need to be sorry for the length of this email? As far as you're concerned, no. But as far as anyone else is concerned, yes. They are, I mean, they're a page and a half, two pages, some of them. See, that's not a long email to me. Yeah, it is, Stop though. being it proud of this. It is a long email. <laughs> I'm glad you own it, but they're, and, God, they're and hard someone to read. actually gave me a suggestion, and I don't want to do it, but to make a web form that has, like, a thousand character limit. And if you want to submit a question to the show, go to the web form, fill it out, and hit send. I, I wouldn't want to, uh, um, to be candid, rather, I wouldn't want to limit. Yeah. Neither would I, because there are some, some of them, they need to be as long as they are. But there are some that don't. It really can be shrunken down to their essence. Yeah. But. <clears throat> do, do not, do not be like me. Really do not. 
and because um, that's not something you want to be. And I mean, there are there are nine emails in this episode, and and there are, I shit you not, another twelve to fifteen we got this week. Do we and need th- to do an extra episode? I did one last night. I t- I read three. As did a solo episode. If we ever have an episode that we miss, that we're, we're if we're going to skip or something like that, I may release it on the Friday night when we go to the con. Okay. So, are we doing a Saturday show? At the yes. Con? Okay. Yes, we are. But I may release that as sort of a bonus episode. So when that comes out, okay, know, we'll we'll see. But I I don't know. I don't know what to do because we, we know we normally we do not read nine e- emails. We usually read about six or seven. Yeah. Right. There, if there's four people in the room, everyone. Normally, everyone will read once, but not twice. So that's there's usually that means there's less than eight. Right. In right. this, there are nine. Email from Matthew. Greetings, douchebags galore. From your favorite listener who lives in Bakersfield. Pause for Bakersfield jokes. I don't. I don't have any jokes. Bakersfield I've, is funny enough. I've been. I've. I drove through Hey-o! Bakersfield. <laughs> Did you put that on there just for Bakersfield? Okay. See, here's here's my my Bakersfield story. I've actually been to Bakersfield once, and it was because Google routed me through there when I was driving here when I moved here. Google wanted you to see. They wanted to show you a terrible example of what and can happen to a now city. Now that I live here, I cannot for the life of me figure out why in the hell Google routed me that way. It doesn't make sense to me. Hey, it, at least you didn't go through Fresno, because that, that's truly worse. It's the Wasco chapter. Okay, that was kind of how I felt about it. <laughs> oh, let me just say before before I go on with it that got from the local oh, yeah. friendly gaming store. Oh yeah, yeah. Got yeah. My players, Let the radio players listeners know that he's holding up the D&D Fifth Edition Player's Handbook. It's very pretty, hard hardcover and everything. Hardcover, and I also got the Adventure that came. It's a lovely book. Very pretty. All right, a year-long Pathfinder campaign I've been playing in has ended, and the GM wanted a break, so I volunteered to run a Savage World sci-fi game. Sweet. I've built a basic setting and story arc, but I'm having difficulty coming up with the base adventure in which I can teach the rules of Savage Worlds. They will start in a meeting with a mob boss, uh, of whom they have just lost a shipment of some illicit substance. I'll plan a battle versus extras in case it goes that way. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, then a combat versus a wild card plus extras in which I will highlight the use of bennies. Perhaps their ship will have issues when they leave so that I can show them how to use the cooperative roles. Then a dramatic task, task to get them to the point where they can jump to FTL. Are there any important rules that I'm ignoring in this first adventure? Okay. Well, the first thing I would suggest is um, watch any episode of Firefly, but in particularly particular the one called Train Robbery. That's the first one that aired, wasn't it? Yeah. It's the first one that aired. It's not the first right. episode, right. but it's the first one that we aired. We went through this like last episode or something. Right. We had to figure it and out. It's got some, and thematically, it's got some really great story elements that you might want to grab hold of, is why I recommend it. Okay. In terms of rules... Um, what I would suggest is don't worry so much about the dramatic task right out of the gate, um, but within the first half hour, give them a bar fight. Yeah. Um, a low-stakes fight. A low-stakes, give them a bar fight, let them get used to how the <clears throat> combat mechanics work. 
Um, let him get used to the idea of you're going to deal cards, and I've got a suggestion about the dealing of the cards coming up in a second, um, and how you're going to do how you're going to do combat and how and learn how your your stuff works in Savage Worlds. Now, getting back to the the card the card thing, um, as the GM, do not deal the cards yourself. Have the cards dealt by someone else, and the way I do this is um, every time there's a new combat. Or every time a joker is dealt, the deck gets handed one person to the left. I do the same, except I actually have it every time there's a new combat. The next, the next person next right. to them does it. So right. if there's a new, I combat, just move it around. Right. Yeah. If there's a new combat, I guess that's what you, you hand said. it one person to the left. Or if a joker is dealt, um, and the reason why I do it on the joker is because by rule, when a joker is dealt, you're supposed to shuffle the deck. And I have, I play with two decks. And so what I'll do is I'll hand the deck to the next person, let them start dealing the next <clears throat> round, while the person who had the deck gathers up the cards and shuffles them and hands them on to the to the next person who would have that deck. I used to deal the cards when I first started with Savage Worlds, and, and perhaps, Matthew, you thought to do the same. Have your players do it. Just take It's one less thing you have to do. Right. And they oh, like yeah. it now. All of yeah. a sudden they're like, oh, we get to deal with our own initiative, and everybody suddenly gets interactive, you know? And despite the fact that I promise you, the cards will not actually come up differently. They will be convinced that they're getting better cards. Mm -hmm. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> and when a bad card comes up, it's not your fault. Right. That, exactly. It's, it's a, it really seems like a small thing, but it's a big deal. It will help your game a lot. Yeah. Well, they, um, the players in my Deadlands game are absolutely convinced if I deal the cards that I am intentionally dealing them bad cards. Sure. And I'm joking, because they do, they do this playfully, because they're, they're not really convinced of that. But they make a point out of it every time it comes up. Well, you're, you're not... You're card counting because you're smart that way. Well, I'm actually a, I'm actually a Vegas card sharp. You know. There's a couple of suggestions I have for you. First of all, especially with the bar fight thing, study the grapple rules. Yes, <laughs> always. It's just something that we all forget, and you need to do. Study your shaken rules. It might be unclear to you because they're unclear in the first book. Uh, the, uh, Jib has many an article written about it. You can find it on our website. You can find it on uh, the other... And uh, I can explain it in two minutes. He can. Uh, but let's not because it's out there. Just just make sure that you you completely grok it because your players are going to be asking a lot of questions about it. There's even a little wheel of raises, too. Work out your raises. Now, to facilitate that, I have a little place player's map that I printed up. You can Those find it cool. free on the interweb. All of that stuff is written on that map for them. I didn't make it. I just I found it out there. And it has the space for your card, for your initiative. It has the dice. It shows what your raises are. If you rolled this, if you rolled this, this is a raise, this is a raise. If you dig this, this is shaken. All that stuff is on that map. So they can look at it at a second, figure out if they're shaken or not. Again, it's one less thing that you have to do. It's also clearly in front of them. So if you screw up, they can go, wait a minute, isn't that a raise? And you go, yes. Yes, it is. Thank you. And, and when you screw up the shaken <coughs> rules... And you're going to? Don't worry about it. Just go on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's true. You can't help. Okay. Up the I've been running this game for years. I still occasionally screw up the shaking it's rules. It's true. And I miss races a lot because it's a kind of a math thing. It's like is it suddenly. About, is, is is it because the earlier the earlier texts were so unclear? Yeah. And is they, that why? And they contradicted each other too. It's, it's because there there is a single point in the shaken rule where. It's actually confusing. Everything else is crystal clear. Right. But there is one point, and that is, I am shaken, and I just got a shaken, another shaken result. I now have a wound. Right. Okay? I am wounded, and I got a shaken result. I'm, I'm shaken, and I have a wound, and I got another 
shaken wound result, I only get one more wound. I don't get two, I get one. Right. And that's the thing about it that makes everybody go, wait, wait, wait I don't understand. Because it's not exponential. They think it's, it, it's not. It's it's not linear. Yeah. And um, it's really not hard to do. Um, and but the main thing is when you make a mistake and you do so, and you get it wrong and you will because all of us do. Don't worry about it. Move on. Just move on. Right. Make a decision at that point. Make it in favor of the player character and go on your way. Mm-hmm. The, I yep. think I have. I should. I have the first printing of the um, Explorers Edition because it sat at Game Empire for years. I have. Two, the, I have at least two copies of it of the first printing, not the third printing. I think I have the first. Okay, because I have a first printing and it's full of errors. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. There was a whole thing of errata that they printed out that you had to get on the Ooh. internet. And then I went back, and they had the third, because that first, print, first printing sat there for a long time, and no one ever bought it. And and I went back, and they had, wait, they and I opened it up, and I'm like, no, look, there's a, oh, they, it's fixed. They fixed that. Third printing! <clears throat> yeah. So, and that first printing, that fucked me up mm-hmm. on, on, uh, on the Shaken Rules from Jump Street. Because I, I read through that, and I think in there, in two different spots, it's it almost sounds like it's saying two separate things. We've Story discovered that well, in Deluxe the Explorers Edition as well, which uh, there's no, a... I on page 79, I believe, it says one thing, and on page... Well, whatever. Uh, people have stumbled into it, but it's been fixed in the latest okay. printings. It, right. They, they, yes. So, All right, there you go. shaking can be difficult. It's still difficult, but don't let it hang you up. Good, good note. Email from Matthew with two T's, because that was Matthew with one T. Thank you, Matthew, with one T. Oh, my turn. Right. Email from Matthew with two T's. Hey, Stu and various guys, gals. I have a genuine GMing problem. A bunch of my oldest RPG pals only get to meet over a table every two or three months. In effort to play more regularly, we've started a fortnightly, that's it, every two weeks, online session. Just a couple of hours Every other Tuesday. We're playing the new Firefly RPG. Yay! And everybody is enjoying the hippie rules side of that system. As you should. But, last session, we had a social conflict. That went like this. One character, let's call him the captain. I want to say this is a social conflict that is not about social mechanics. For those of you who just started screaming and breaking Ah, out. Good point. Very good point. Go ahead. Yes. (laughs) Uh, let's call him the captain, had a disagreement with another character. Let's call him the face. The issue was over with the the face should stay on board with the captain, helping to guard the cargo and go out to the casino to go gambling with another PC. Captain said no. Face said screw you and went anyway. All very Firefly, I thought, and we played out a scene with the two crew going to the casino while the captain sulked. Problem was... It wasn't just the captain sulking, it was the captain's player sulking. I could see that, and when Face rolled his first bet and got two ones, a complication in Firefly, I decided to take the opportunity to use a B-plot I had intended to use to get the Face arrested, and I hoped get the captain back in the game. But the player kept sulking, and the captain stayed aboard, while the Face conned his way out of the holding and made his way back to the ship. The captain wouldn't let him on board until Face apologized for disobeying him, which the Face refused to do. Said, fuck you, and went off to steal another ship. 
We were coming to the end of the session, so I had the face steal a ship and fly straight into the hands of the bad guys for a cliffhanger ending. After the session, the captain's player called me to say how unhappy he was about the face's player's actions and that I needed to do something to get the two players back working together or one of them would have to roll a new character. Part of his argument was that during character generation, the two players had built a little backstory about how the captain had saved Face's life and got into trouble with Niska for it. And so, the two were on the run, and frankly, the Face owed the captain some loyalty. I said, I'd see what I can do. But on reflection, story-wise, I think the Face's player's actions were perfectly reasonable. He's playing the sort of fuck-up who gets into trouble a lot and doesn't respect authority. Let's face it, if he's prepared to piss Niska off, then there's every chance he'll piss off the soft touch who created or saved his life. On the other hand, I have a player who just didn't enjoy the game because of the face's player's actions. I want everybody to have fun. What do I do? Before and or the next session, coming soon, yours, Matthew P.S., I'm talking over 30 years gaming together with Captain's Player here, so I know him, and he hasn't been this close to table flipping since he was like 12 or 13. P.P.S. All this happened with no dice roll, remember? At one point, Face suggested rolling the dice, but the Captain refused, saying, I'd lose. <coughs> but he kind of lost anyway. Okay. First things first, this has nothing to do with social mechanics or any social rules aspect of the game. This has entirely to do with the interactions between the players. And um, my recommendation is, as is so often the case, a grown-up adult conversation between all three people involved. I would I would talk to the guy who's playing the captain first because what I'm reading, it does not sound like he's acting rationally. I agree. I don't think taking what someone's character is doing in a game personally to yourself uh, shows a, maturity? a, a help. Well, not necessarily maturity, but it shows uh, there, there is something wrong with your outlook on life at that moment. And I'm wondering, maybe there's something else going on in his life, and this is supposed to be his escape. Right. And That was my first thought, too. And, there's and, some I, deeper I'm issues. I'm wondering if there's something else happening with the guy. That's why I wouldn't, I wouldn't have all three. I would talk to that guy first and say, are you okay? Because... Yeah. You're kind of acting a little weird, and let me tell you how I'm seeing this equation. how you're acting, right? And why I think it's seems a little out of character, out of character, and let's move on from there. I, I find it weird, and it happens. I'm, I wouldn't say a lot, but it there. Are, I, I have seen games where players have gotten actually actually angry at another player because of what his the character is doing in the game and i i actually kind of have difficulty understanding that and and having any sympathy for it because you are playing a character you're not well it's not like you're yeah i mean i can kind of understand now now this is also coming from the guy who loves to play diplomacy right and would never even it would never even occur to me to actually get pissed off at someone in a game you would play totally cutthroat diplomacy and then once once the game is put back in the box, like, hey, yeah, let's go over here. Exactly. <laughs> We're done. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Let's go right. rock on. Yeah. Um, and, and ideally, that's the way we would all approach the game. But I think sometimes we forget um, a fundamental precept that I got, I actually got formulated in these words from Gina. And that is sometimes you're playing a fucking game. And right. you have to remember that. 
Um, and when we get immersed into our character, it can you, those emotions become immediate. And I've oh, said sure. many times, yeah, yeah, yeah. if you affect a character's emotions, you might get a response from a player. Absolutely. But if you affect a player's emotions, by God, you will get a response from the character sure. every time. Will not fail. Um, and I, I think that one thing, a couple of things need to, to happen here. And I, I agree with your your precept of having the conversation with the the captain player first yeah. to find out, hey, dude, you cool? You okay? I mean, you know, is everything it, okay It kind of sounds like there's something else going um, on. But then, but then I would have a conversation <clears throat> with both of them. And um, the from a GM standpoint, my spin on this would be, I don't think either character did anything wrong, um, but face player, you might want to remember at some point that this other character saved your ass. Right. And Captain Player, you need to remember it ain't about you as a player. You know, it's easy to say, and, and his character is a fuck-up. It, it's, yeah. it's easy to say analytically that, that, you know, why don't people just playing the character, but people get emotional attachments to the Yes, things. we do. Yeah. And, it's, and it's hard sometimes as a GM to see that people get emotionally attached. And it's I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say that emotional attachment is dumb because it isn't. Because it makes it. But that happens, and it's hard to remember that it sometimes. Is, I, I wonder if that's this because actual table flipping. Like if the guy yeah. is getting close to that that point, that makes me think I have rage a, quitting. I have a similar play. thing happen to me. But granted, we were younger. But the guy was getting burned out on playing games. He didn't want to play anymore. But he didn't. He didn't know how to tell anybody no. So he just sulked and he started destroying the games till we kicked him out. Because it was mm-hmm. easy for him to get kicked out of a game than it was for him to say, hey guys, I don't want to play anymore. Or for whatever reason. Uh, or he just started becoming a dick. Whatever. But I have a feeling maybe there's that's happening too. Maybe he just needs a break. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And maybe, maybe it, it ties in with board what, games together. It ties in with what you're saying. Perhaps there's something else going on. But maybe he just needs a break and he has a hard time saying, hey guys, we've been playing this for so long and I don't want to play anymore. Which is hard for some people to say rather than just sabotaging it and then leaving. Oh, you know, now suddenly he becomes the victim and he can leave you know, with with the, the satisfaction of being victimized rather than right. disappointing all of you with, people. With the, the self, yeah. you know, the, the armor of having been the, the one who was victimized. Right. Again, I come back to the uh, it's time for an adult conversation. It may not get what's eating him, but I I think we all agree that Maybe there's not. some there's some deeper issue here. It's more than just the game. I think so. All right. Thank you, Matt, Matthew with two T's. Appreciate I hope that it. helped. David from Michigan. Hello, paradoxical ones who are somehow both angry folk and happy jacks. Hmm. It is I. David from Michigan again. This time, I write in with a gaming horror story. Allow me to set the scene. It is the day before New Year's Eve, and I am taking a road trip with four good friends from college. We are going to Chicago to celebrate the holiday with some alumni, a couple who were members of the college's gaming club. As part of the celebration, one of the alumni is running a game of D&D 3.5 for us. So, we arrive, and that night are told to make characters. Most excellent. A one-shot for which I get to make my own character. One catch. The DM will randomly roll our race and class for us. Now you must understand, I'm not a big fan of D20, but I do enjoy trying out each class. 
I had, by that point, played the Paladin, Rogue, Druid, and Cleric classes. I had also played Ranger many times. I'm sure you see where this is going. So, I get the results from my random rolls. I am to build a Troll Ranger. Which is actually kind of awesome. That's kind of a neat idea, kind of like that. <coughs> um, I ask if he can re-roll the class, as I have played Ranger more than any other and would like to play something new. Nope. The roll is sacrosanct. A troll ranger it must be! I try to salvage it, making a ranger who specializes in throwing hammers rather than using bows or dual-wielding scimitars. One is fire and one is ice. <laughs> but my heart isn't really in it. The one exciting bit I have is that the DM lets me turn my animal companion, a velociraptor, <laughs> into a mount. I supplement this with several mounted combat feats, and I am finished. The morning dawns, and we begin our game. Some evil wizard has cursed a town, and we have to go hunt him down and kill him to undo the curse. We do so, and come to his evil wizard fortress. The entrance is too small, so I must leave my animal companion outside. Well, there goes not only a large feature of my class, but also the majority of my mounted combat-oriented feet path. Off to a good start. After fighting through several random encounters and overcoming many traps, most of them based on falling damage, easily overcome as my friend is playing a bard who has a ring of featherfall as well as the spell featherfall, his character is afraid of heights. We get to the final boss. None of us want to fight him, so we try talking. At first, it seems to work. We glean information, primarily the source of the curse on the town, and leave without further conflict. We, we, we return to the town and seek out the source so that we may destroy it and undo the curse. Bad idea. The evil wizard followed us the whole day, invisibly and without us getting a single roll to detect his pursuit. He reveals himself as we draw the curse's focus from its hiding place in the town well. Hmm. The focus is his brother's skull. As the wizard shouts some threats at us, I smash the skull to end the curse. It turns out that the evil wizard loved his brother just enough to take offense at having his remains desecrated in this way, but not enough to refuse to desecrate the remains by making them <laughs> the focus of the curse. He attacks. Oh, jeez. Round one. Fireball. The DM rolls damage, something like 12d6 against a group of 5th <laughs> yeah, level characters, that, that, that and instantly it. kills three of the six PCs from full health on the first round of combat. Yay. My turn. Screw this. I turn around and right away. <laughs> Another player turns to You know to what? Me. That's a mature player, because a lot of people would stick around and run it out. He's like, you know what? Out of here. Especially troll. Fire? Troll? Uh-uh. I'm out of here. Fuck this! <laughs> Another player turns to me. What is your alignment? Seriously. As if two little words on my character sheet will give him any right to tell me how my character will act when faced with certain death. Chaotic neutral. I reply. No answer. <laughs> I escape with my hide intact and live to usurp the plot of evil wizards another day. <laughs> Was I a douchebag for running away and leaving my friends to fight the boss alone? I'll let you decide. Either way, I have many other horror stories and will send them in the future if you wish. Yes, please. I finally caught up with your backlog last night at work, so it's time to let the emails roll. Drink up. David from Michigan. Okay, first things first. No, you are not a douchebag oh, for no, doing that. No. no. <laughs> that, that was totally, uh, well, ba even just based on your alignment. It was in character. It was like, yeah, no, fuck it, I'm out. 
I mean, I, the whole thing about fire and a troll, right? I mean, it's... I, oh, if yeah. You, if you're playing, it's like the minute they see fire, they're like, you know what? I can I can deal with hacking. I can deal with cold. I can deal with anything. Fire? Uh, I'm out of here. That's it. Done. Fire. That's the one thing. It's <laughs> the one thing trolls... It oh, yeah. trolls. The other well, thing I was going to say about, about him um, getting rid of all of your abilities, it's a problem with rangers. I love rangers myself. I and too. you build them for the outdoors, and suddenly they, the entire campaign is inside a building. Right. And there's not much you can do. Right. All your tracking, all of your animal handling is just gone. And that's part of the problem with the Ranger class. It's just something you just have to do with. What do you mean you can't take the Velociraptor into the pub? Right. What do you mean I can't talk to the parakeet and have it uh, fight for me? What do you, that, that's hanging in. What, what do you... Yeah. What do you mean I can't tell what time it is by looking at, out the window at the... Well, uh, some of these things can be negotiated, but Rangers tend to be... <laughs> <laughs> stuck when you're in a city or in in a well, building. Okay, first off, there are totally awesome ways to play a ranger character in an urban setting. That's true, but this is um, that's not what this email. But is that's about. not what this email is about. <laughs> no. Um, and um, as a GM, it is my responsibility to set the stage for the player characters. And when I am starting a new game, it is my job. To give them enough information to play a to make a character that fits into the game. Yeah, that that and seems to be the logical thing to do. It seems like a, such a fundamental thing, but clearly the GM in this email missed that. Right, missed that point. Um, and I come back to uh, the thing that. And we got it from one of our listeners, and I can never remember his name, but it's... And you've used it in Moment mm-hmm. of Truth, and I've used it, and that is, here's the basic situation. Make a character that would get involved in that. Uh, that was our our favorite min-maxer from... Chicago? I think. No. Maybe Chicago. It was somewhere in the Midwest, though. Somewhere yeah, back it there. It was our favorite min-maxer from somewhere. That's the guy who, who told us that. Yeah, but it's, it's such a great idea. It's like, yep. here's the basic premise... Make a character who would get involved in that. Yep. You know, That's a way to do it. And the counterpoint to that is if you insist that your characters randomly roll up characters and classes, give them something to do. You can't just sit around and, well, it's your fault for playing a wizard. No, it's not my fault. No, you it's made not me roll yours. A chart. It's <laughs> your <you>. fault. <laughs> yeah. And I, I will say that the concept of a troll ranger kind of intrigues me. I, I could get behind that plan. Um. Still, what do we think this DM was a douchebag or not? I think the, I, I, I kind of wonder a what douchebag. I kind of wonder what the whole point of it was. Why make people r- randomly pick their like class and? Yeah, I I don't get that part of it. It's like, I what mean, were it, you trying to you accomplish? Had, if you had players who always play the same archetype every time, if, then I can see. Then I can see it. Yeah. If I had a group of players that, play, that we've been guy playing together for a while... But if the guy accidentally rolls the archetype he usually plays, why the fuck would you just let him re-roll it? Yeah, I'd, I'd totally let him re-roll it. I actually <laughs> had no problem with that. I mean, maybe it's a way to get to compensate with min-maxers and shit. Uh, what I have a problem with is all of a sudden he's like, uh, no, I've been following you around all day. Ah-ha-ha! Um, and no, uh, you just uh, destroyed my brother's skull. Ah-ha! Now I'm mad. It's all of these weird retcon kind of things. Like, it's- he came up with a brilliant idea and broke the skull before the, he was able to reveal his master plan. And he had, the, the GM had to come up that, with a... Yes, that's what happened. That, that's, that's really what happened. I think you're, you're dead on right there. Is that The GM had a story. And the players broke players his story. Up. And he, the pl- the GM did not have the wherewithal 
um, and the ingenuity to go to roll with that and run and and just you know like let that run out let that play out yeah um and even if it means that you know what we've got two hours to play and you just ended the story so you know what we're gonna have give me give me i'm gonna go to the bathroom and i'm gonna come back with it with another two hours worth of story so give me a minute he doesn't know my trick and one shotting (laughs) three of your players oh yeah that's in the first that's Bob, what's, what's around five seconds? Uh, first, six. First six seconds of the game, yeah. one shotting your alt. Three, uh, half of your player. That's well, what, that's again, uh, again, I come back to the the DM had a story. Yep, and he wasn't going to deviate from well, his story. It is a horror story. He wasn't actually asking for <laughs> help. <laughs> right. Email from Robert from Texas or Tex Axe. I think that's my misspelling though. Hell, oh, I like it. Hell, douchebags. Let me start by saying I absolutely love your show. I'm a longtime gamer. I started in the early 1980s in seventh grade or so. I've played many games, and I'm currently very into Savage Worlds and Numenera. Almost always as the Game Master. I'm currently running a couple of games for my two sons and their friends. Six teenagers at the table. I I know that game. I love that. I, I did that. That's tough, man. A lot of lighting on fire. Yes. <laughs> Lots of things uh, getting lit on fire. I am almost through the first session of your podcast, the first season of your podcast, and I'm ripping through them at a rate of about two per day, sometimes more. Uh, we, uh, doctors do not recommend that. That may cause uh, irreparable brain damage. It um, causes a terrible case of the piles. I've yes. <laughs> Shingles. Piles. We're old. Kids out there. I love oh. Gomer Pyle as a kid. We do. They don't know what they're talking no about. No idea who that is. <laughs> uh, um, almost the first season of the podcast. In fact, I paused episode 18, season one, to send this email. I won't bother you with any questions until I get caught up, but I wanted to let you know how much I have been enjoying the banter and the great content. My oldest son loves your show, too, and that gives me another wonderful opportunity to share a mutually enjoyable time together. Hopefully he's not too young. Yeah. He well, he said the they were teenagers, we're and I would have let my teenagers listen to us. Even when Tappy was on? Yeah. Wait, is there more? Yeah. There's more. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's on the back. Oh, okay. Two-sided paper. Uh-huh. This paper has two sides. Because sometimes you recycle your paper, and I thought maybe I was reading something else. Okay. You dress Carry in the manner of a male prostitute. <laughs> well. Do you know what that's from yet? No. Mystery Men. They're trying to get Mr. Uh, Furious right. angry. Because he's the raging All he ever fury. does is just get really, really He's a ticking angry. time bomb yeah. fury. <laughs> I love that movie so much. <laughs> I hope you enjoy and get use out of the Behringer Minimon. Yes! Thank you very much. Um, we both felt we needed to show you how much we appreciate your time and effort. It should be there on Monday, according to Amazon. Of course, that was three months ago or two months ago. It's Are here. you using it? Is yeah. it right here? Yes. It's, it, we love it. I don't know why you would want to, uh, to, but feel free to use my email on the air. I, that's that's why. Thank you for this. Uh, also, you're the best. Happy, you're my fucking hero. Sincerely, Robert Duffy. Or Robert. I shouldn't have said his last name. Sorry. P.S. Uh, it was the song Happy Jackson Drinkable Ale that led me to your show. I now have at least three of your albums on my playlist. Oh, we, I, That's awesome. Good man. Robert, we love you, man. Yeah, the, you. Good man, Robert. The Yeah, the the um, uh, Happy Jacks uh, Amazon wish list, there's only like, I think there's only like one or two things left on it at this Sweet. point. Awesome. Um, 
And yeah, basically, there's a big firewall between the recording studio equipment and the podcasting equipment, so nothing has to get mm-hmm. moved across. around. And it's it, it generally tends to be a lot easier to set up because all the podcast stuff is set up all the time. Yeah, cool. now. And I don't have to move mics around. Um, and it used to be a problem. It, it, used, to, it used to I be wanted like to, an extra to, hour. You know, major kudos for running a game for your teenage kids. Oh, yeah. You know, when my kids were teenagers, I ran games for them and their friends. We had a great time doing it. A lot of stuff got lit on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, some, some truly memorable role-playing moments came out of that, out of those games as well. Email from Andreas. Thank you, Robert. Again. Cheers, Stu and the car lifters. Car lifters? Car lifters. Jacks. Jacks. Thank you, lads and lasses, for all the fun podcasts. Thanks to to that crazy guy in Alaska for starting those online games. And cheers to my friend Jonas in Gothenburg. Gothenburg? Gothenburg? Gothenburg. Who traditionally sends me greetings when he writes into the show. Drink. Okay. Done. I was listening to uh, episode 1204, and I must say I really liked your insights into horror gaming. Stork's distinction between investigative games and horror games was good. Did someone make a note? I actually had (laughs) something relevant. And Kimmy's insight about victimization. Good stuff. Now, I really need... (laughs) I have a feeling he's going to dress me down now. Now, I really feel like taking my horror games to the next level. Another thing that struck a chord with me in that episode was Stork's strong, even vehement opposition to having dice or game mechanics influence story. That's because I can't roll for shit. There's even a song about it. <laughs> Since this probably will be read much later than 1204, I might, as, I might add this was about some Star Wars game from uh, Fantasy, Fantasy Flight, Flight, yeah. Flight Games that... Uh, that quantified PC's objections and brought them... Obligations. I'm sorry, you're right. Quantified PC's obligations and brought them into the story uh, dependent on a die roll. Right. I have Because um, that particular game has those crazy dice that don't have numbers, they have symbols on them. Right. And I remember the whole and conversation. how you read them is very... Well, know. I mean, it's all, it's, it, there's also that, that same mechanic exists in Hero. If you have sure. a dependent NPC, you have a number attached to it, and if the GM... Rolls that number or less, I right. think. And and how often you roll that number is de- is well. It's you're supposed to roll at the beginning of every session. I right. think is yeah. what the rules. But are. you can actually have a circumstance where you roll it more often than that. Okay, all right. I remember the conversation very well. Very okay. well. So. Right. I have a hypothesis. Mm. <clears throat> Let's say you start off with a game like the Burning Wheel, uh, where things your character feels knows it can be quantified and even soft elements like psychology is statted out then you will bring those elements into play because there are mechanics for it having played that you will probably bring things like that into the game even later when you're so used to that the rules start to fade into the background Mm-hmm. Let's then contrast that with someone who is raised on Traveler, RuneQuest, D&D, and so on. That player might bring in obligations, dependence, and psychological quirks later. When you start to long for a deeper game, but the game won't prod you into it or help you get the idea. But, here's my hypothesis. Maybe those games, like the one Stork didn't like, is better at teaching those elements. They might not suit someone like Stork, but they will maybe help someone starting out to become that kind of player. (coughs) Traditional games might not hinder, but neither help. That Fantasy Flight game might actually help. I would be interested in hearing your thoughts on that one. 
Uh, another thing, slightly related to that, relates to how to use random elements instead of planning out your game based on the idea of a story. I've gotten the idea that most of the hosts, when they talk about their con games, often talk about how to get the idea of a story. Has anyone of you looked into Aldrax's book, Toolbox, or the second edition, Ultimate Toolbox? It's a book just of with random tables. It has tables for everything under the sun. And I can find... Uh, uh, and I find it can make me generate any kind of adventure, NPC, description, loot, or whatever, at the table, and create great kickstarts for the imagination. It would be fun to hear to what extent any of you guys use these, and if you have used that book, and how. Whew, that was a long one. Drink, my friends, drink. Cheers. Uh, this ties in with an earlier email where we were saying uh, well, how nice it would be to have maybe a list of sort of traits, a name, generator, and stuff for NPCs. Is it Alderac Entertainment, like L5R Alderac? I'm assuming it must be. Um, <clears throat> possibly, I'm not familiar with the book he references. I'm not either. Um, mm-hmm. I, I kind of have a weird um, thought process when I'm creating a game, and it has to do with a, a basic precept, and that is that I come up with a basic question. It's almost always a question, and it's usually here are some interesting people. What would happen if I put them in this situation? Go. Um, and, you know, really, my games are not any more complicated than that. Okay. <laughs> I've, used, I've used random tables like that, and I, I find that I, I start using them, and I'll say, okay, it, like the pulp, there's a pulp one that was put out by, oh, I can't remember the name of the game company, for Savage Worlds, it was a, a pulp toolkit. It's not... It's not the pinnacle one. They had this awesome series of tables to come up with a pulp adventure. And I went through and I rolled all of them, wrote everything out, and started working on the adventure. And says, yeah, this is getting cool, but I think it would be better if this element, if I'd rolled a five instead of a six. And then, oh, yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, well, and instead of that, it's this. And by the time I end up having whatever the story is, doesn't really resemble what I rolled, but it got me thinking about right. it, it, and it, it got planted things moving. seeds right. that once they germinated got your head moving. Um, I, I think it's a great idea. It just the way my brain works. I usually start from such a small pinpoint concept anyway mm-hmm. um, that it. it I, I start from a single seed, right, and. But that's just how my head works. I don't, you know, I, I don't have anything against what he's talking about. I think it's a great idea. I've just it. I, so I traditionally has not worked that well for me. I love random generated tables. I mean, I, I even when I was planning out my 4E game, which never came to fruition, I even had a random generation table for food. Because how often have people gone in and ask what they're serving, and suddenly you're like, "Fuck, uh, duck!" And well, where'd they get the duck? What do you? Uh, fuck. So, I have a table for, here's what they made, and here's what it costs. What kind Done. of duck it was, which lake it was right. shot well, at. Well, I mean, they don't quite, I'm, okay, yeah, I'm making that up at the point, but how many times have your players asked, oh, yeah. well, is it a, you know, all of a sudden you're in a long conversation about food, which you'd never thought of, and, all right, so I have, play, I, had a, I had a chart for food, I had a chart for in names, I had a chart for NPC names, and I had them there. Yeah, um, that, that's a great and you, idea. And you can get lost in your charts. Oh, yeah, right, I got a chart here for this somewhere. Hold on a minute. Are you talking about yourself? So I found my food chart. So you you have to be careful with them. Sometimes yes. it's too much th- of a this, good thing. This what? is one of those circumstances where my background as a, a medieval reenactor probably works against my players. <laughs> because 
if you actually look at um, inns and taverns in the Middle Ages, they'd have one dish. Oh yeah, and that was they stew, whatever they had I, to make stew out of. They made stew and they had bread. It was and, it was porridge or pottage. Yeah, it was pottage. And someone probably killed something, and whatever probably that is, is in there. Something killed something and cut it up and put it in there. Right. It might have been a you know, and that was left over. You from probably yesterday. don't really know what want right. to know what it was. And it may have been a little bit of what got killed two days before as right. well. It's just been stewing in the and, fire since like last week, right? It's been yeah, and that's adding kind to of it. what you know the way most sure ends. Now, if you come across um, a, a particularly good inner tavern um and there's one that i keep recycling uh, it's come to be called the traveling inn um because i used it over and over and over again mm-hmm. and i actually wrote a, a story around why it was the traveling inn and would show up in different places it's a food truck man um but they would have <laughs> um, but they were they had like a fine chef and they would have like all all manner of different things and whatever your character wanted, mm-hmm. they could provide it. That was like their their bragging point was whatever your character wanted, they could provide it. I didn't need to get hung up on food here. But no, but. no, that was just, get, <laughs> the, 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 I, I like I like the idea. I'm wondering about his other point about there being sort of like an almost Marxist dialectic, where there's a withering away of the rules. Sort of like the withering away of the state. It's interesting how you picked that up because that's not because where I was thinking going with that. Um, that but, but I, I that, wanted to get back to that. Is that what point. he's that that kind of is what he's describing is here. Here are a bunch of mechanics for backstory and character wants and desires and all these characterization things that many of us take for granted. And is this kind of like a, a teaching way of doing it? Isn't this well? Here, here's the thing. Um, because I play a number of different game systems and will eagerly seek out new game systems to play, I've kind of come up with a hypothesis along the way, and that is that um, the game system that most of us think is the best, whatever that happens to be for each of us, is usually the one that made the most sense to us early on. Mm-hmm. And it's the one that you that you feel the most comfortable with. And I, I'm going to illustrate this point because I ran a fate game for some very nice, wonderful people a while back who were very, very good gamers, very experienced and whatnot. And a circumstance came up, and it actually had nothing to do with the game system we were running, but it had to do with the way I run games. Mm-hmm. And that is, they're going along, and somebody and somebody asked a question if something existed in the scene at the moment and i and i said would you like there to be this one phrase which had nothing to do with the game system totally threw that player for a loop Mm -hmm. because that player was used to the idea that the gm would fill in that blank and would just you know say yes or no that thing existed or it did not right go on your way and i totally broke that player in that moment by just saying, well, would you like there to be, and literally handing narrative control to the player and saying, you you tell me mm-hmm. whether there is or not. Well, see, you could, you could be a total dick about that, too, and go, would you like there to be? Yes. No, no there isn't. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, um, but, but my point is that the player in question is more comfortable with the, the more... The GM keeping narrative control. The more, right. you know, rigid, staid... Um, traditional approach of the GM filling in that blank 
And I took a more hippie approach in saying, you know, what do you want in, in this? Um, and so that led me to the theory that it's the thing that you're more used to that feels like it works better for you. So if this, where the mechanics control this or drive this um, obligation, mm-hmm. if that feels right to you, that's what's going to work for you. <clears throat> and if it doesn't, it's not. Because it wouldn't for me. All right. Let's explore his hypothesis just a little bit. He has two He has two points here. One of them is people are getting to um, an emotional or, or, or the psychological stuff through the charts and stats and stuff. And it gives them permission. And eventually those rules fade to the background. They just start... That's my question about it. To do it. And the other one is someone like me who started with Traveler or, or uh, D&D or such, and then we add that stuff at the back end as opposed to front-loading it on the front end. Right. Now, and it's, a, it's a valid point because back when we were playing games, there were not charts and stuff for that kind of thing. And perhaps I, I champ <coughs> or I, 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 I tug at the leash a bit about that. I'm like, don't tell me how to feel about my character. Don't give me a stat for that. Me too. Yes. Um, likewise, because all, all three of us predate... Those sorts of things. But his point might have some validation. I need to explore it more. I'm not discounting it. But his point being that perhaps new players need the permission and they need the security of a chart and a die roll to make these explorations. By new players, we're can talking I, new to the hobby players. New to the hobby. Can, I, can I add one word? Well, okay. Some new players. All right. Fair enough. Okay. Now that we've, now we've not, clarified this hypothesis. But we're not but, talking about people who are... Of a new era of players. We're talking about people who are new to the hobby. I'm assuming that's what he says, because yeah. he okay. says here, all he says is new. Uh, let's see if I can we find the actual, the actual side. Uh-huh. We were new to the hobby. No, no, I, I know, but I, there's a distinction there. New players in this, in the sense he's talking about for us and all right. He doesn't say new players. He says will be able to help someone starting out to become okay. that kind all right, of a player. All right, all right, okay. I, all right. I, I totally see that for some people, yes. That would totally be a, a, an aid to help them on their way. For some people, it would not. I I think this is a very valid point. It I, is. I think that there's a lot of people, especially. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to bag on war gamers, but if maybe you're coming at role playing games from war gaming and you're used to starts and ch- uh, charts and stats, starts and chats, uh, it might it might be. It might make more sense for you to... And then after playing it, eventually, that stuff becomes second nature. And that's what he's saying. Maybe. Here's, here's why I brought up the, the, the communist dialectic. Because I brought it up on purpose. Yes. I question whether or not this sort of fading away of the rules would happen sort of like the withering away of the state during Stalinist Russia. It's not going to happen. <laughs> that well, is my contention. Uh I, I if the rules exist, the players are going to want to, are going to, want to rely on it. Yes, but if a rule is second nature to you, if you're so used to it that it's second nature, then it kind of recedes in your thought process a little bit because you just do it. Case in point. No, no you're right. You don't even... I, I agree with what you're saying, except when you're talking about a social... When you're talking about a character with social wants and desires and different outlooks and things like that. Is there ever going to be a withering away of the rules and we're just going to do it organically? 
Because that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about knowing the rules and knowing when to roll and when not to roll. We're talking about supplanting the rules with whatever sort of meta framework existed form that just sort of organically now applies to the game. I, I agree with you. I that's don't think what that'll he's ever happen. That's what it, it seems. It's, that's that, what that, he's describing. The the fact that the rule is there and it and it is implemented is never going to go away. Uh, what will go away is its presence in your consciousness. Yeah, yeah. Because it becomes to an second. Extent. It's going to recede a bit. Um, and again, this topic came up. Same group. Um, same point. Uh, because the player in question has made the assertion that um, the game system we were playing is metagaming because it totally took the player's mindset out of the immersive role-playing of their character to deal with the mechanics of this game system because it was brand new for them, in my opinion. Right. Whereas game systems they were more comfortable with and more practiced with the metagame elements where you're dealing with the game itself recede in their consciousness because they're so used to doing it. Mm-hmm. That, In fact, that is kind of the root of the great crunch debate between Tappy and I, because it was about fate. Fate to, the fate, fate core was nowhere near Fate wasn't out. core wasn't done yet. I, no. I was, I was in the room. Oh, that's right. You were here, right. But <laughs> his contention was he was calling it a crunchy game, but what he meant, he was he had his own definition of what crunch was, and which was the source of the debate. But what he meant was that the rules apply all the time, and the rules, to use a, a, a sort of a loaded word, intrude on the narrative a lot when you're not used to them. Right when, when you're not, and and the reason I say that is I have had the I've gotten to play fate with some people who are extremely practiced mm-hmm. in it. We were making aspects and boosts and and whatnot and not even realizing not even really right. thinking about it because it was just like, you know, I want to do a blah 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 and he'd go, Oh, roll that. That's, ah, that's a bam. That's kind of the whole point of the fate fudge movement when it started was to supplant these rules with a language. Yeah. That's kind of what the whole idea right. was when well, the, the, thing, the basic, when Sullivan the basic started all shift that. in fate is not whether it has more rules or less rules. What it does is it replaces numbers with words. Right, the, but that, that's that's what I'm saying. It's going. It's 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 almost an attempt by adults to go back to the make believe children have, where all they have is language. Back to a time before they imposed rules upon right. their play numerical rules. But but those rules are there. Any uh, rules? Because let, let's getting back to my to my story. The 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 player asked if this thing existed in the scene, and I said, "Would you like there to be?" And they said, "Well, yes." And I said, "Okay." Um, no, there isn't. I, I said, <laughs> "I said I'll tell you what. That sounds like you're trying to add an aspect on the scene to mm-hmm. me. So why don't we tie that to your piloting skill, and why don't you give me a roll for that?" And they rolled, and they succeeded, and I said, well, by dingy, there are clouds. And I wrote out an aspect, plunked it down, because we were playing online, so it was philosophically doing right. that. But I created the, I noted the aspect, put it in the scene, and bam, there it was. And the thing is, and this is where I think there is a strength of fate, is that 
that if I were to do the same thing in Savage Worlds, which I totally would, mm-hmm. um, then its impact mechanically on the game is a nebulous thing that I have to kind of have to figure out. I have to make a, a decision of how impactive that is on the game. In Fate, its impact on the mechanic of the game is clear cut. Right. Very clear. Well, I, mean, I Very guess it really straight. depends on, on what the question is and what, what element they're, nope. they're adding. Nope. I'm, no, you it's, didn't let me finish my fucking question. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I guess that depends on what element you're trying to add and whether or not the rule set you're using covers that. I mean, because if someone says to me in Found most point. games, is there cover? Is there someplace I can dive for cover? Yeah. And I'd say yes. A lot of games have rules for that. Right. And so there it will be a mechanical impact. So I don't know if it's... Does, it, does that make... Fate being more vague and more universal in how it how it applies its rules to everything gives it an advantage that it doesn't necessarily have to have a lot of those edge cases. Because there aren't edge cases. That's a really interesting point. So Well, uh, because <laughs> the impact of that thing, that aspect you just introduced into the scene right. is always the same. Right. The only variability on it is the number of times you can use it mm-hmm. and how long it lasts. Okay. And that's based on how well you succeed. Right. Okay. Stu sorry, and I, I, Stu and I were on no, this. Right, Stu and I guessed it on I this. I interrupted a lot. That got said, by the way, about both you guys. Us <laughs> 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 interrupting you all the time? I'm sure it has. Not, not me. Not, not just me, but generally speaking. So, Well, um, just a quick it's note. It's funny because it was it got mentioned several times. St- Stu and I were on the misdirected mark, and we um, uh, I stumbled into a, a hot point with Chris, and he's saying if you're not playing all the rules that are written in the game, you're not playing the game as written. So it, it brings up. I wanted to bring it up earlier about your point about uh, well, if the rules are there, and then they fade to the background, are they ever really going to fade away? Well, not, then you're not playing the game as written, are you? It's, they're not going to fade away. They're not. I, I, I don't. That that well, I think I, is the problem with his. I was listening to that episode on my way up here, and I think called he, us hippies. <laughs> <laughs> I think he raised a valid point, mm-hmm. but one that may not matter. And he and he said as much as that. He did. Yeah, he did. If you decide I'm going to not use this block of the rules for this game because I don't like them, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But there comes a point at which you're not playing that game anymore. And yes. I don't know where that point is. And, it, and But the thing is, I don't know that it matters. Yes, I don't. It really doesn't. And I think most authors of games would say it doesn't. I, I think that's probably <laughs> true. It doesn't invalidate it. It actually made me think a lot when he was talking about it. So. Where were we? Uh, we're at Jim Toe. Jim Toe, and it's my turn. Is it? Oh, so we did, we did Andreas. Okay. Yeah. Email from Jim Toe. I cut this thing down by half. Okay. <laughs> hey crew, <laughs> I attended GammaCon in Iowa City with my buddy Derek a few months back. Saw a lot of the C team and generally had a good time. I did have an issue with one of the games I played though. At the end of Saturday night, I was signed up to play Toon for the first time. I sat down to play with Derek, Muntjac, Sam, 
A great girl who once DM'd a game and told a guy named Brad she'd give him more experience points if he'd fuck the cheeseburger sitting on the table. Dan, who is a new addition to the C-Team, and a few other people I didn't know. I was excited and gleefully chose my character, a narcissistic bull who was constantly checking himself out in a hand mirror he carried everywhere. Then the DM said, This is Toon, crossed with World of Darkness. I thought that was odd and made zero sense in the cartoon world, but was willing to give him a chance. Then he passed out a little token to each player, and my heart sank. Fucking bennies. I hate bennies. I bitched about the bennies on Twitter with Jim Ryan. I bitched about the bennies on Twitter, and Jim Ryan replied with the same thing that I was thinking. But this DM totally missed. In a game like Toon, failure should be just as zany, awesome, and fun as any success. After all, it's a cartoon. You don't need rerolls. The game starts and we encounter werewolves and vampires. As I recall, the werewolves acted like the Big Bad Wolf in the Looney Tunes cartoon from when I was a kid. The vampires weren't any better. Calling it a World of Darkness crossover because of these creatures was pointless as they were generic cartoon monsters that acted like cartoons. There was no World of Darkness flavor by any stretch of the imagination. Essentially, we PCs, playing as cartoons, had to go get Buffy the Vampire Slayer from her TV show and bring her back to our house. Okay. Once we figured out that we needed Buffy, we had to travel through many TV channels to get to her took us about 30 minutes of gameplay. We did get to Buffy. We did get Buffy to come with us. <clears throat> Pardon me. But then the DM hand-waved the entire trip back and then a few minutes later the game was over. It was a 2-hour block and we finished in 75 minutes. <clears throat> if it seems like I'm leaving out a few details, I'm not. As soon as we got Buffy to come with us, the game was over in like 5 minutes. It was immensely unsatisfying. To make it worse, when it came to the main plot, I got the feeling we were on tracks. Which I can understand to be a certain extent in a con game, but Toon is a fucking cartoon. Twice that I recall, good ideas on how to defeat obstacles ended up as failures, even when players had made successful rolls. For no reason I could see other than it wasn't how the DM wanted it to go. I.e., who cares how you get get access to a room... If someone comes up with a good idea to get inside and it doesn't completely destroy the con game plot, why deny them? (laughs) And even more aggravating, if two people were talking in character about the problem the DM laid before them and the DM decided it was time to speak, he'd just jump in loudly until the other folks stopped talking. A few times, if they didn't stop talking in three seconds, he'd make some comment about, you shouldn't be speaking if the DM is speaking. (laughs) Even though he was the one interrupting. Wandering damage. <laughs> Bullywugs. Uh, remember, they were in character discussing the problem given to them by the DM. It's not like they were talking about Firefly or comparing dick sizes. You want a, you want a, want a buzz? <laughs> what? <laughs> and he never busted in to give anything useful to help solve the issue. He'd go off about something else, possibly start talking to different PCs, and then come back to the original issue later. Thoughts? Jimto! Required PS. Can we get back can we get back Bruce or and or Tappy for a one shot podcast? I kinda miss those dudes. I don't know. It's two requests for Tappy today. No there, there have been a lot of people. Yeah. That's been on the on the um 
in the thing. in the survey as well. It, Dappy well, gets a lot of love. How many times have I said that he's he's not here? He's taking time away. It, I think when you say that, people think it's like a couple of months. I don't know how long it's going to be. That's, it might be forever. It might be three weeks. Tappy's dealing with Tappy's dealing with life. Yeah, and but people are like, "What happened? What happened? What happened?" And the, there are people who filled out that survey who I don't think are listening to modern shows. <laughs> <laughs> That's a possibility. There, I, mean, I, I think it's amazing. I'm sorry. Good. I, I think that um, there may also be an aspect of. There were a couple of episodes where there were some fireworks involving Tappy. It wasn't anything like that. It's nothing. No, no, I you I know that because I was here. Right. But I think that some of some listeners may have a perception that there were issues. Yeah, but there there aren't. There aren't. The and and Bruce Bruce is a very busy man. Bruce is a very busy. And man. and Fri- Fridays and I think I gave him an open invitation. If you want to come in, let me know, and I'll put you on the schedule. Well, I happen to know that Bruce runs a game oh, that's every right. Friday night. That's cause, right. Because he's got two more than groups. one. He's got, he's two, got two games, groups, right? But they're offsetting, right? Because we play every other week, that's and right. so you know, weeks one and three are the other group, and weeks two and four are our group. I want to talk a little bit about Tune, and I. Uh, it's a it's a tough game, I think, to GM. You need a certain kind of GM that has a wacky sense of humor and can yes hand because it's all about yes handing. Even Stephen, who is a game breaker and stuff, loved Tune, and he was playing with Gary Mack, who is a great yes handing GM. And if if you have, if a GM really needs a chart or a rule or stuff, Tune is not the game for them. It takes a special person to do it, and they need to be able to really constantly go with the flow. I get you're probably disappointed because I've sung its praises before, and Tune is really a yes handing game, and it sounds like you didn't get that. Don't give up on it though. It's a great game. It sounds to me like you really need a GM who's really good at pulling shit out of his ass. That's not serious. Other things out no, of his that's ass. That's exactly what Tune is. <clears throat> it's. I, uh, I know. I mean. <laughs> my, 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 my favorite example of the way I realized how to play Tune was Elspeth, actually. Uh, just to sum up, Gary Mack was running a game um, where they had to get money out of a mine. So she says, well, all the goal is to get money. Yes. Can, I, can I paint a thing that says bank on it? Yes, yes, you can. So she made a little facade that said bank, and it was spelled badly with the K the wrong way. And they got, and the people came out of there. Oh, there's a bank right here, and gave her the gold, and she got the game. But that's what you do in tune. You have to think that crazy, and you have right. to be well, able to yes end it. You have to think in the the cartoon mindset exactly, and then you have to, as a GM, set up those situations. Right? There's it, he, he never said, "Well, if you build a bank, uh, then then you will get the gold." They, she said, "Can I build? A, can I just paint a bad facade with some paint?" Yeah. Well, <laughs> the, okay. To take a kind of a, a serious, you know, tone on what what he was saying in his email. Um. A lot of GMs, and I, I would say, I know for a fact I've made this mistake, so I'm not immune, and it's, you know, Battle Scars is why I learned this. A lot of GMs make the mistake of trying to solve the problem they've set up, and uh, I've we've all said many times, um, create a problem, not a solution. Let them create the solution, and go with what they create. And if they paint the facade that says bank on it, Damn straight Cheer that them works. on, because that's <laughs> awesome. Damn straight, Skippy. Um, if they turn all the stone in the area into mud and sink your bad guys up into it and then turn it back into stone so they can't get out, 
cheer them on because yep. that's awesome. Suck it up. That's right. Email from Andy. No, go. Oh, I'm sorry. I interrupted you. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Okay, email from Andy. No, I did, you got to get something to walk on. Eggshells. <laughs> no, I'm not. To, I, I, happened to, I had gotten interrupted, and I, did, I had been reading through all of the things, and it was like, do I get interrupted that much? Yeah, you do. Does Okay, I, I'm just I'm just going <laughs> to lay out my spin on this. We're having a conversation. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. we all tend to interrupt each other from time to time. Yes. Oh, I've noticed in myself. I oftentimes don't let Stu finish his thought, and then he well, usually has great thoughts, and they get derailed by I, my all by of my the plabbering. all of the criticism about me so far on on the on the uh, survey survey has been. Uh, gastrointestinal involved, <laughs> and there's been a shit ton of it. You are you are a full so of the juices speak. of life. <laughs> but it's been, and it's like I, dude, you need to go see a gastroenterologist. He, he, I'm telling you, I'm I'm an intern. <laughs> you got you got to go. Stu has he does he's on kinds he's uh, let's not go into Stu's gastrointestinal thing. It's but it's quite a it's quite a thing. He knows. I know. Um, I'm all sorry, right, Andy. Email from Andy. Greetings, Jackers, and possible guests. Andy from Temecula. Bakomusha. Bakomusha? Bakomusha? Mm-hmm. Uh, on the forums here. Just letting you know I have fixed a problem of turning players off to role playing and drama once combat starts. A quick summary of the game that I discovered it with. It's a Shadowrun 5e game set in Boston that's very gritty and street level, even for cyberpunk. Think of the departed, the town, and Boondock States for inspiration. The group is doing well, RPing outside of combat, but in combat they just settled into the routine that got boring. Even when I threw left hooks in it, and more, and, and, and it was more of a chore than anything. Until I, on the fly, said, "Hey, Street Samurai, I will give you one XP if you climb on top that truck and leap onto the bad guy's sword drawn, screaming like a madman." Sure as shit, he said, "Damn right, I'm up. I'm up for an XP point," and proceeded to do so. At that point, the troll adept asked me if he could get XP for flipping a car over onto some gangsters hiding behind it. And by at the end of the night, I had hammered out a system of rewards, with limits of course, that now has turned it into a damn good <coughs> game, into the best goddamn game I have ever had the pleasure of running. Now, I know that XP as a reward is not a good idea for most games, but seeing as how the game's Benny system, called Edge, is... Far more game breaky if messed with, as at least addition the edge stat was considered to be a god stat that was everyone's secondary stat. I feel XP works best for the game. At most, it will reward five to six points for a successful mission, and raising skills and stats is kind of expensive. It's a small but noteworthy boost to progression that get two to three extra XP a game. Excuse me. I reward so little because I reward so little because I want the game to be gritty as long as I as long as I can without being Satan. Thanks for reading this. Take a drink. You should uh, have me on as a guest to make up for the last years. Gateway 2013, where not only was Stu's moment of truth game called because no one showed up, but my lovely story about Fatal and how hard I worked running five-plus Pathfinder Society games that I shared at the live show was lost. I know. That sucks. I had run those games, by the way, just so I could have a chance to meet you all on someone else's dime, because I'm poor. P.S. Drink, you bastards! Drink like the wind! 
P.P.P.S. I'm going to predict this email written 8 for 2014 will be, will be read sometime in late December to mid-January. Fuck you! It got read three <laughs> days later. Ba-bam, but uh, Yeah, the, the lost episode. That's, that is actually quite sad. That season... Ten episode thirteen or season eleven episode thirteen. I do remember it was the episode thirteen. Yeah, yeah. And he had um, he, he, he he was a great guest. He had a lot of great things to say, and I, there were a lot of good things said that night. Um, I know, and they're lost, lost to the ether. And yeah, we had a guy flying from fucking Japan. I know. Yep. And he talked about stuff. And God yep. damn it. Um. One one thought about his his basic premise. Um. If XP or not. A viable thing to to lure your players into being demonstrative with. Um, tell them you'll give them a bonus if they come up with if they make it good, you know. Mm-hmm. And give them an example. Oh, like a mechanical bonus. Give like them a mechanical a, bonus. A, a, a I'll give you a plus two on that attack if you if you give me something good. There you go. Now, players are good on that. Absolutely, yeah. It's got to make sure that it doesn't get exploited to the point where it's like, no, I described this again, so I want the exact same bonus I got the last time. Because you will have those guys. You will. You will. Um, and then suddenly, oh, now, now, the math of the game is now Stu's working on a mechanic, you know, but it's kind of powerful, so he's been thinking about stuff like oh. this. <laughs> well, we'll see. Everyone's afraid to use them. Well. Oh, no, no. I'm, just, I'm not afraid to use it. I'm just waiting for an opportune <laughs> moment. Perfect moment. I'm waiting for that moment when it really matters. Right. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. I, I haven't earned one yet, and I'm still a little unclear on when I can, because I do remember trying a couple of times during the first game. You're like, no, you can't do it. It's you, not a Okay. Bay. You can earn them in two ways. I got it. I know. But let's talk. Let's, we've got more emails. See, it's the we'll second way that I want to Which, what, the, Raising the stakes? Raising the stakes. That's the one that's I how want. Gina, that's how Gina earned them. She earned several that way, I think. In our in the the fantasy game that we that was during combat though. Yeah, which you can't earn them in combat now. Right, <clears throat> but I do remember we had since, a stack of them. Since like ninety percent of the dice rolls that have gone on in this game have been me trying to hack things. Oh yeah, I'm totally going to raise the stakes the next time this comes up. I there promise you, you right now. There you go. I promise you, I'm going to have to reread that. those rules. I don't <laughs> you wrote them. I know. <laughs> hey, I've got. I, I've done a ton of prep. I know. For the next session. Sweet. And it's I, I'm I'm jazzed. I'm looking forward to it. Next weekend? Or we can I don't remember. Seventeenth no. Eighteenth? Seventeenth? No. Because we couldn't play the seventeenth because that's the Check your calendars, guys. We'll turn back later. We'll, yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll, yeah, we, we, there's an L five R game coming up and there's a moment of truth game coming up in the next couple weeks. And right. a Star Wars Traveler game. Fundam- and the Star Wars Traveler game. Fundamental precept. Okay. How I know when I'm supposed to be somewhere is when Gina tells me I'm right. supposed to be somewhere. <laughs> when she's standing at the door with keys going, come on. <laughs> like, well, like, you got the stuff for tomorrow, right? No, but I'm on my way to do that now. <laughs> Everybody says, write it down your calendar. I'm like, but I never look at my calendar. I may forget to look at it. Why would I? Re- why is that going to help? I have I know. two separate reminder apps. <laughs> Like, I don't know how to spell something. Look it up in the dictionary. I don't know how to spell it. How am I supposed to find it in the dictionary? She is light years more more organized than I I will ever be. (laughs) Oh, Ben. Sorry. 106 minutes. Ben. It's the last one, right? Is it? No. Two more. Ben and then Earache. Dear Stu and company. We had a buddy in in school we called Earache. His name was Eric. We Eric, thought, my eye. We thought it was very funny. Yeah. It was actually, it was based on that. That one. Yeah. 
<laughs> you know, earache, my eye. How would you like a buttache? Dear Stu and Company, I, I'll try to keep things short by saying that I recently happened upon the podcast, and I find it extraordinarily helpful for me as a GM. Keep up the good work. I run a bi-weekly Pathfinder game set in the D&D Planescape universe from 2nd edition. One of my favorite settings. The game began with a small number of people meeting at a house. At my house. When my wife dropped out, we relocated to the local game store to recruit new players. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. That's funny. I don't mean to laugh at your misfortune, sir. We're reading reading between the lines there, and that's quite funny. The question, though, is what did she drop out of? I don't don't even care. It's just we're we're all all putting our own stuff, and it's very funny to us. Just the turn of phrase is so well said. When my wife dropped out, we relocated to the local gaming store. Of course we relocated. <laughs> yes. Get these people out of my house. Exactly. <laughs> I can just see the conversation. I do not want those stinky fat beards in my house anymore. There's a reason I left. Did you see what they did to the cushions? Did you Go smell the cushions. <laughs> All right. Any of them I had to buy five gallons of Febreze last week. <laughs> Uh, funny. Given the numbers. Given the numbers, we started to play a new uh, Planescape campaign. I knew it was going to be a big group, We had, but we had 13 people Holy show up. Holy buckets! For the first session. It was more people than I expected, but I set the game up to accommodate a large group by making them members of a large mercenary company, similar to Glenn Cook's Black Company books. Read those books. Me too. I like those books. Hard to adapt as a game, though. Pretty weird, trippy, overpowered shit. Yeah, very... You talk about magic being powerful. <laughs> yeah. So, if, if you wanted to do that, something you might look at for inspiration is the Monster Hunters International source book uh-huh. from Hero Games. Oh, Even really? if you're not doing it in Hero. No kidding. Um, it's got some really cool stuff in it. Okay. After the parentheses. Uh, or, fighting in a blood war on the lower planes. I don't know what those are. Uh, the game ran about as well as a 13-player game of Pathfinder can go. However, the numbers quickly dwindled, dwindled quickly. We booted three people immediately for various combinations of cheating and douchebaggery. But within four or five sessions, the group shrunk down to about five players. Since that small number sort of invalidated the mercenary company idea, we shifted back to the first version of the game, and I picked up from where the original story left off. But! After doing that, players we hadn't heard from started coming back. It turns out they had just... They're uh, out... They just had scheduling conflicts they never told us about. And on top of that, some of them were apparently had so much fun that they wanted to invite (laughs) friends to play. Oh my god. Not wanting to turn them away. (laughs) Big mistake. I worked their their characters into the game and a number (laughs) and the numbers started creeping up again and now I'm looking at a total of ten players for the next session. Now I realize that this is largely a problem of my own making. Yes, it is. I, I should have capped the number of players from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. But it's obviously too late to shift course now. Mm, the problem I'm dealing with 
is figuring out how to keep 10 people engaged in the game and give them all something meaningful to do. Two sessions ago, (coughs) (coughs) sorry, I sprung a fairly simple combat encounter on seven or eight players. It took over three hours to resolve. Not surprising. In last week's session, I looked up from managing an encounter a few times to find one player playing his DS and two others playing, I shit you, or players, I shit you not, knitting socks. They had conceived a child between turns, apparently. (laughs) Um, Even even when orchestrating social interactions, it's tough to keep everyone's attention and get everyone involved, especially when some players are just bound and determined to be quiet and mysterious type. I know from listening to the podcast that Stu used to run a 4E game with a similarly large group. How in the world can I manage this game so that players feel like they're actually accomplishing something over time? Is it even possible to run a game with a large, this large without resorting to constant railroading? I feel like I could have manage this problem when I specifically designed a campaign around 10 plus people, but I don't know what to do now that I have that many people in the campaign originally intended for five. Any advice or thoughts you can provide before my next session would be greatly appreciated. Regards, Ben. P.S. One last thing. I can't kick the knitter out of the group because she's promised to make dice bags for everyone. Oh, fuck. Uh, I actually, I have one thought that really comes to this. Like, you need help. You need someone there with you to help out. Even if it's just managing monsters, even if it's just traffic control, If when the party splits, it's him taking them shopping. You know, while they talk to the blacksmith with one arm, that sounds like Shaggy. That's Shaggy, well, you can concentrate on the thing. You need a co-GM. Yep. I agree. That brings you down to eight players. Yep. <laughs> It really does. And, um, Stu, uh, even with your 4E game, at one or maybe two points, you had Bill helping out yeah. on occasion. And it, and yes. the game went faster. Yeah. Um, if nothing else, let get someone to manage the mechanics of combat for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, get, it's Pathfinder. Get that, someone else to manage initiative. Sure. And that way you've got somebody who, that during the combat, their job is to watch this board... I'm bored because Pathfinder makes this magnetic board that's kind of handy right. little critter. Um, and you're like, okay, Stu, you're going. Stork, you're up next. You know, Jib, you're on deck. Be ready with your. Be ready to go. You know, that kind of thing. Yep. Any anything that the have the, have your co GM handle some of the. Well, however you want to break it down. I mean, the division of, of labor can be. It's great when the party gets split. It's great to have somebody managing monsters and all that, but you need help. You've got way too many people for you to handle by yourself. It's not okay. I mean, it's, it's okay to ask for help. So that's, I guess we agree. Yes. Sure. I think yeah, I think that is probably his best solution. And then also, if, you, if the party splits, and it splits fairly evenly, yeah. you, can, you might actually be able to swing splitting it into two groups. Yep. Yeah. And they can split, and they even stay in the same universe and they could even play in the same room mm-hmm. even right. and have one GM is going off in this direction they're following you know the seven keys of Ventusler and the other guy yeah, is going off going after his cockring I cockring I say get your wife to help coach you up for you I don't think she's that's, yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> that's priceless dude I know exactly how that conversation went I've had that conversation <laughs> 
Do they know how to lift the toilet seat? <laughs> Sweetie, I don't know, man. Remember, I just don't know. <laughs> my wife has endured 10 years of Thursday night boggard rehearsals. I know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm like, I, I'm thinking if she can, you know, survive 10 years of boggard rehearsals, a handful of gamers in the house is not going to be a problem. <sighs> nah, but we are restricted to being out here. We have been relegated to the, to the garage. We are in the garage. <laughs> Email from Eric. Um, my turn, your turn. Uh, he just read. Was it your turn? It's his. No, it, it, you it, just read. It's my turn. No, you read. I think. You, I think. We, I read. Then you read. You, you guys right. swapped oh, positions. Oh, I did think. we? Uh, I don't know. I think. I don't care. Whatever. I'll read it. Go Email from it. Eric. Dear devices and ablution. Ablution. I don't even know what that word means. Ablutions. Ablutions. Someone look. It I, up. Bet it, I believe it has to do with douching. Okay. Hey, to stoop. Stork and whoever else may be doing the podcast this night. Please have a drink for me, and I hope you all are doing well. I just have a few comments, questions, etc. that I wanted to share with you, the hosts. My sincere apologies for adding yet more to the email backlog, though. I will be excited to hear this email when read in 2015. My first question is... <laughs> Fuck you! <laughs> my first question is for something way down the pike in terms of my gaming group. I eventually want to restart a campaign I had once before, but with a brand new set of players and some refinement in the actual adventures. I plan on running the Star War or the Stars Are Right Wars. The Stars Are Right Wars. Okay, that's right. A mashup of Star Wars and Call of Cthulhu. The path to the dark side leads to insanity. You know, once you started saying that, my mind—I had to take a pause because my mind went. <laughs> However, I'm unsure what I should do to run it in. I originally ran it in the phenomenal West End Games D6 Star Wars system, but excuse me, but with an additional the addition of the Lovecraftian elements, it wasn't the right system for the job. I have toyed with combining Realms of Cthulhu with a Savage Worlds hack of Star Wars. However, I am even up for learning a new system. Not champions, though. I have no time for learning that thick book, or maybe running it in GURPS. But was unsure about guidance of putting together Star Wars in that system. Any ideas? would be a help. In regards to social conflict, dun dun dun, I would like to inform everyone the horse is dead. Please put down the stick. It was awesome having LARP players on the uh, on, and their advice was spot on. If I lived on the West Coast, I would certainly play in one of their LARPs before dying of dehydration with the rest of California. Okay, Stu, this is the next segment. Really, if you edit it out of the email, it's okay. I mean, I know it's okay because you can edit out anything you want, but to me, it's the most important thing that, that many of the hosts of the Happy Jacks read this part. It's more about me anyway and really not a gaming story. Who the hell would want to hear that? Up to you. Jib made a mention on a podcast this season that Happy Jacks is not therapy. I philosophically agree with him, but back when we were hammered with the whole... Sandusky incident at Penn State by the media, it was brought to my attention in a rather extreme and forceful manner that I had not dealt with issues of my own past that were unrelated directly to Sandusky, but still, I can't think of the word and I want to use that I want to use here. Uh, in short, I broke. Badly. The first set of meds made it worse to the point where I was asking my young son to make sure he stayed strong in case anything ever happened to me I was basically asking for permission. The newer set of meds was better, but it was as if I was in these dark night rice pits, <laughs> surrounded by visions of myself telling me I couldn't be a good father, a good husband, even a good DM, among others. It's not like feeling human, 
or as one person put it, feeling like you are in a burning building on a ledge and everything is burning behind you, where do you go? Your show, week in and week out, helped me climb out of those pits. Professional therapy has helped with some of the others, but the DM pit has been scaled, capped, and locked up. It has helped give me strength in other aspects where I have to shake off the feelings that I am not good enough now. Every two weeks, when I run my Sundered Skies Savage Worlds campaign, it's a victory and a reinforcement for me as a human being. While many factors have gone into my recovery, you are one of them, and I cannot thank you enough for just being there and being encouraging. Words cannot express my gratitude. Thank you. With that, take a drink, and I will see you on the forums. Pax, Eric P., a.k.a. Eric from New Jersey on the forums. Eric, that is the most powerful thing that's, I've ever read. That's heartfelt. Very um, much so. And, and um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you um, very much. We're not worthy. We're no. Um, and I, I am personally truly humbled that we have been able to help you um, in any small way um, and may your path to uh, feeling better about things in the universe continue yeah now to address his problem because well I'm sorry no good I I just this it's making me it's very heavy so I wanted to bring it back to his question it is it is I, I mean I, none none of us none of us got into the do, doing this thinking in any way about that and that's I actually want to kind of bring this back to the horseshit that's been happening on the forums because we had um, a, a fairly hellacious uh, flame war on the forums uh, two weeks ago mm-hmm. and I, I brought the hammer down I said this is this this has got to stop and one of the things I said in that was we need to remember that all of these avatars and all of the pictures that people post up to represent themselves and the names or the fake names that they're using are actually attached to living breathing people and this is a reminder I think for all of us on the podcast that this that the people who listen to us, the 4,000-some people that will hear this episode, they're real, honest-to-God people with with real problems and real questions and real passions and, and real lives. And it is, I think, important for us to know that, I mean, we, it, it's awesome that we've gathered such a large audience, but it is an audience of, of real, genuine people that, and it, I think at times gets difficult to realize that you can lose sight of it genuine and diverse yes so yeah i mean i i appreciate the fact that that he took the time and and displayed the courage to send this i i, I do too um but go ahead with the other thing no i yeah <laughs> i'm so humbled i'm just doing what i normally do which is deflecting emotions and going to someplace else so i was going to actually answer his questions about what system he might want to run his star wars game in and i was going to recommend GURPS. To which I thought Stu might have something to add to that because it, it has the flexibility of you can run your your space game and it still ha- and it has rules for that and you can run your horror game and it has rules for that and you can probably combine the two without any problem and GURPS is not as scary as we think. In fact, we can go back to Mook's book and read that and then start yep. start running your game in GURPS. Um, I think that that will solve all of your problems and it's one system, one solution. Both games will run seamlessly or both ideas will run seamlessly. I was going to suggest. 
Um, he, he said he didn't want to do Champions. Um, I, I will caveat that Champions Complete is not a, a painful book by any stretch of the imagination. See, I remember the old Champions book I used to have. God. Yeah. Years ago. It wasn't that hard to learn. Right, no. Compared I, and I, to 6th edition, the big well, tomes. The, the thing about, about the 6th edition books is they got so caught up in the idea of examples for every little thing right? Um, that the books became unreadable. And they're great for reference material, mm-hmm. for looking you know, the details up of how to do something, but it makes the books very hard to work with. Right. I'd, I'd like to interrupt you just one second as a, as a point of clarification that you are a, an avowed war, uh, hero fan. Oh, yeah. As well. So oh, yeah. you know this system. Oh, yeah. And it's just you saying how hard the system is to learn. Oh, yeah. Okay. But just wanted to make that up. Champions Complete, which is the most recent edition of the rules, mm-hmm. is 130 pages, I think. Something like that. Um, oh, really? It's, it's no. easy to work with. Um it's straightforward. Doesn't invalidate anything in the other sixth edition books. It just makes it easier to, to get a hold of. That said, he said he didn't want to do that, so that's fine. Cool, no worries. Um, I would go with either GURPS or Savage Worlds. Um, and there's a re- couple of reasons why I would add Savage Worlds to the mix, and that is one, a uh, friend of the show and um, all time. Champion Savage Worlds GM uh, Savage Daddy on our forums um, has written a Star Wars horror um, setting, setting yeah. for Savage Worlds. I was going to add on to that once you were done, which is I, I know you can find one or two or maybe a dozen Star Wars yeah. adaptations for Savage Worlds, and I know you can find Call of Cthulhu. It can't be that hard to stitch no, the two together. Super, super simple. Um, I know for a fact he did a, that uh, Savage Daddy did a uh, Star Wars zombie apocalypse game. Well, there you go. Um, so That's, If you can do that. <laughs> either of those, so either of those solutions would work beautifully for what he wants to do, I think. I'm still blown away by this email, so. I know. I am too. But, you know, let me, um, let me see if I can bring this up very quickly. Because I want to... Maybe we can... Because I, I don't want to do a whole... It would end up replacing an entire topic to talk about some of the stuff people have said in the... Not not stuff people have said, but the, the general things that I've learned from the survey. Yeah, about, I would like to hear. So let me, let me do that now. Because the nine emails actually went a little faster than I thought they were going to. Okay. I kept trying to... And I think I may have overdone it a little bit. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I'm bringing it up now. It's going up very slowly. Um, <clears throat> and this, at, this, at, to date, we now have 213 responses. That's amazing. Um, I, uh, the, the, the first question I ask is, uh, how do you listen to the show? Seven or 3% listen to the live stream. I think that's overrepresented. I think we're probably getting uh, people who... Do listen to the stream because I mean, there's, you, there's usually no more than thirty people in the stream anyway, so it's overrepresented. Uh, they use a streaming application like like Stitcher, nine percent, sixty six percent listen on a a, a, a podcatcher application, um, and then about ten percent listen at their computer. Hmm. So, 
<clears throat> to, actually, be, to be fair, that's how I listen to podcasts too. I just don't have long commutes. Oh, that, well, that, okay. Um, and then I asked what you're doing while you're listening, and that was as much of a joke question as anything else, uh, because three uh, percent said yes, I'm doing something else, but I'd rather not say what. <laughs> was masturbation way up there? I, that was. <laughs> I, I, that's, that's where my head went. Eleven <laughs> percent said yes, but I'm doing something you can't imagine. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, Mm. This, to me, fucking floored me. And this okay. was, to me, the most stunning thing on here. How much of the podcast do you listen to? Don't look at it. Okay. Here, here are, the, here are the, the responses I give you to pick from. The whole thing, 75%, half, about 25%, you only get a few minutes. What do you think are the, is the spread there? Um... Speaking only for myself, I always listen nose to tail. Okay. Um, but I'm a completist. Mm-hmm. Um, I think most people probably 75%. Okay. So if you had to guess, how many people would you say listen to the whole podcast? Maybe half. Okay. Uh, my own experience is that I listen to the computer and I fast forward through stuff that I don't listen to. So if that means I'm probably only catching 75% of a okay. podcast, so I'm going to stick with that. 97% I listen to the whole thing. Wow. wow. That fucking floors me. Wow. Uh, second place, 75%, 3%. All the rest of them got no responses. Wow. What the fuck? That, you that people is... need to find something else to do with your time. <laughs> I'm telling you. Well, you're, you're stuck in a car with us. <laughs> I, 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 can, I know why. I know why. It's Kimmy and Gina. They're not here. Well, today. It's the hope that they will be. Oh, they're like, they'll just show up naked and like, <laughs> hey, guys. And then, <laughs> I know. <laughs> we at Epidex would actually, like to apologize to our female listeners. I think they're waiting <laughs> I for was me not to... trying. I was not in any way trying to be offensive to our female <laughs> listeners. That was I me. just said they're cooler Sorry. than we are. <laughs> I think people are hoping I'll take off my shirt. Oh, no. Oh, God, please don't. <clears throat> I, I also asked what games you play. And I, this list was nowhere near complete. I mean, I put up uh, D&D OSR through 2.0 because I had to have a dividing line. Pathfinder or D&D 3, 3, and 5. D&D 4.0. I didn't even put 5.0 on there. Uh, Apocalypse World-based games. Uh, Fate-based games. Storyteller White Wolf games. Savage Worlds Cortex. BRP. GURPS. And then Other. And Other... To tell you how many games I didn't put on here, including 5th edition, uh, Shadowrun, L5R, all the Roll and Keep games, uh, 21% said other. Wow. So um, Pathfinder was the top at 22%. um, And then other. And then the next one up from that was Savage Worlds at 15. And then 10% for Fate. So Fate is definitely... Fate's getting a lot of it's getting a lot of um, airplay <clears throat> right now. Um, it's the the big ticket item. It's the new shiny. It it's is. It's the new shiny because it's got um, an awesome. The Fate Core is a gorgeous RPG book. Oh heck yeah! Oh love it. <clears throat> One um, of my favorite books to it, hold and read in the bathroom. I have heard it said <laughs> that um, it is. This is a quote: Fate Core's year at the Innies. And I think that's probably a fair statement because um, last year was Dungeon World. Um, the year before that was Savage World. Year mm-hmm. before that was Pathfinder. Um, next year it'll probably be Five E. Would be my yes. guess. <clears throat> and then moment of truth. 
<laughs> yes. That would be awesome. Yeah, it's not going to happen. You know what? You, you never know. Because I, I would assert that when um, Steve Jackson sat down and started writing GURPS, when Gygax was writing D&D originally, when... when or when and, D&D was being written by Gygax. Passive voice, remember. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you and your high guy Gaxon. Um When Shane and Clint were, mm-hmm. you know, paintings, I don't think that they were going, I'm going to write the next big amazing RPG. They were writing a game to suit their own needs for right. their games right then, but they were onto something that was good. Mm-hmm. And I would assert that I think you are onto something good with Moment of Truth. Well, thank you. And. Um, if you build a better mousetrap, the world will be the path to your door. Or you just catch better mice. Well, yeah. Yeah. It's a higher <laughs> quality mouse in that mousetrap. Right. <laughs> the kind that, like, dance and yeah, shit. Yeah, right. right. Um, so then I, then I asked, because I kind of wanted to get an idea of where we are in the spread of GM versus player. How often do you game? Um, <clears throat> more than once a week, 13%. Assholes. Uh, once a week, 19%. Still jealous, assholes. Maybe every other week, thirty-five percent, which is, I think, kind of where we fit. You and I, you're you're in the way more often category, I imagine. We play. It is uncommon for us to have a weekend where there's not some game. Okay, going on. So wow. you're, you're about in the once a week. Wow. Yeah, and we're maybe in the every other. But you know, maybe. What? once having, a month. That's spread across. Doesn't matter. Like five games. Doesn't right. matter. Still playing. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I, I think once you get to a certain age, you start having responsibilities and careers and things like it's that. It's harder. But right. then then you get to a point where the, the kids are grown. Yeah, what's that <laughs> like? I and and you get, you get your like time that. back. My kids are 2,000 miles away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You paid your dues. You, you get to play. Uh, maybe, every, maybe every other week, 35%. Once a month, 10%. Less than once a month, 10%. I don't game right now, 13%. Uh, Interesting. That's sad. And they're and uh, those are listeners who are engaged enough in the show to take the survey. Voyeurs. So at this point, voyeurs, freaks. Uh, which statement best describes okay, you? We have we have no no basis upon which to call anyone freaks, man. <laughs> there is a pot and kettle thing going on. It's <laughs> a whole takes one to know one kind of thing. Which statement best describes you? I am primarily a player with little or no interest of GMing. One percent. I am primarily a player who is GM curious. Oh my. 8%. Hmm. I am primarily a player, but I do occasionally GM 13%. I play about as often as I GM 24%. Wow. I am primarily a GM who occasionally plays 26%. I'm primarily a GM who would love to play 21%. I'm primarily a GM with little or no interest in playing 6%. So our... Our demographic skews strongly. Well, it, it skews strongly towards GM. If you were to curve it out, that's true. It's in it the GMing GM. inside. It leans. It leans. GM. I mean, it doesn't start coming up until you start saying, "I occasionally GM," and it hits. It hits its peak as I'm primarily a GM who occasionally plays. Yeah. So if I were to graph that out, I, I, they gave me a pie chart. I don't want a pie chart. My, my personal view is, I think everyone should try GMing at some sure. point. Yeah. But. It's not everyone's bag. No, um, and, I, and I think this kind of f- this fits in with 
kind of my overall theory about who is most engaged in the hobby and in consuming media within the hobby. And there is a lot of people who are primarily players. I go, I show up, I play, I have a good time, I play my character, we kill some stuff. It's fun. But primarily, the guys who are the ones who are going to read the blogs, listen to the podcasts, are the same guys who buy all the books and do all the prep for the games. And it's the same. That's what I was going to say. It's, it's I, an interesting point because I, you know, I know a couple of players who don't own the books, you know, or maybe they own one. Right. It's the GMs that are buying the modules, buying the paper, buying the books, buying, uh, going online and buying the PDFs. They're the ones generating the economy, and they're the ones doing the work. Mostly, I, I would say that that is true. However, I know one player in particular who is pr- almost exclusively a player has GM'd, but is almost ex- who has a much better gaming book collection than I do. Oh uh, yeah, I mean they're there. I mean, there's the guy who there's that one percent right there. He's there. Yeah. I primarily play with little or no interest in GMing, yeah. but he's listening to the show, so that guy's more engaged in the hobby. Yeah, I, but I do think that, and I think it's partly an out, outgrowth of how much work goes into setting up for that moment when the game kicks off. Yeah, I agree. Um, we spend a lot of time thinking about, about games, thinking about yep. running games, and thinking about that. And I think that that's kind of probably what leads to that that tilt. I'm I'm going to disagree with that, but that's a whole maybe another topic because I think there's a personality that likes to GM and a personality that likes to play, and maybe it's an alpha beta thing, maybe it's a no, passive I aggressive. I don't I don't know, but I know that there's some people that are love to GM and don't really like playing. Uh, that's me. That's right. Stu, and I love to play, and I'm okay with GMing, but it's not my passion. I love to I, GM. I think you and Stu are really similar. You you love to GM, but you do play. I, I love to GM. I like to play. I think I am a much better GM than I am a player. But I think that it's a person. I don't know. I, I, I'm not going to sit around and psych well, 101 I, it, but I, I think that there is some psychological I stuff have, to I'm, it. I'm... I'm, I'm I'm not, I don't want to overstate it, but I'm I'm anxious about the the Star Wars game. I I yeah. It's been a long time since I've played in a campaign, and that's gearing up to be a campaign, uh-huh. right? Well, have have you played in a game as a player since I ran the playtest here that one day? Uh, that you played in? He played tests in a couple of my yes. games. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. I know you play tested. But this is a, this is a campaign. You know, yeah. And it's a character. Animal. It's like, uh, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, okay. Well, also, I want to make really sure I'm not going to get bored with this guy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's my biggest it, fear. Do I, is I don't I don't. You know. And I like the character I made, and the character I made is like a fucking mountain. Yeah. Because he's a stormtrooper. Yeah, a good one. One of the things weapons. that I find, and this is this is a statement on me as a person, that is that as a player, I sometimes get frustrated because I don't know <laughs> what's right. going on in the game. Right. I, I, I'm not. I, I don't have that backs the, See, the background knowledge. That kind of st- that's the that's the actually that that's the stuff I relish. It's like, oh, you've given me a problem. Mm. I'm trying to figure this out, and yeah. I literally, yeah. and I, I enjoy that. Up to the point where I like I don't feel like I know where to take my next step. Right. When I feel like I don't know where to take my next step, it starts to get a little frustrating for me. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a purely a statement on me as a person. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and, and not a positive. Well, one. not necessarily. I don't. No players love floundering around in the weeds, trying to find a clue or trying to figure out what to do, or or if the GM is just just going to the point where it's like, do whatever you guys want. It's like I, I, we're in the weeds, man. And we're that lost. right there is why a pure sandbox game is <laughs> doesn't even exist. That's right. maybe this is a whole other point for a topic. But uh, now this gets into the meat of this the, the thing. This is what I call subjects of interest, and I I list. Things that we talk about in the show, and then you have five choices you can pick. Uh, your coverage is about right. I want less of this. I hate this. Stop talking about it. I want more of this, or I love this. I want much more, please. Right? Those are the five, five things. Convention game prep. 57% said we're covering it about right. 15% say we're, they want more of it. Twenty-three percent say they want less of it. Hmm. So the people who hit about right, I always kind of assume those are people who are just like to click the middle thing. Mm-hmm. The people who want less is outweighing the people who want more. So I'm wondering if maybe we're covering it too much, or they're passively aggressive against that we suggest that we stop just doing con games and play more campaigns. They, it could be. I that, think that they, they want us to play too. more real games. Right. But. I, I think. I I think you're you're onto something, and I think part <laughs> of the reason for that might be that we might play a disproportionately large number of convention games yes. because we have three cons right here in town. We're playing three times more con games than most of our listeners I completely, are I completely agree. Right. Yeah. And you know, most people are lucky if they get one a year. Right. Um, uh, 1% say we needed to stop talking about it completely, and 9% say they want much more of it. So, and those people all live in Southern California, probably. Um, but that, that one is fairly even. Here are the ones that are not even. Uh-oh. General scenario design. Now, we haven't talked about general scenario design in a long time. Because we're doing con games. <laughs> that may be part of the problem. I hate this. Stop talking about it. Zero percent. Less of this. Zero percent. About right. Thirty-four percent. More of this. Forty-three percent. Much more of this. Twenty-three percent. Okay. Okey-dokey. Note to all RPG podcasters: if you talk about general scenario design and you do it well, you will probably gain listeners from us. <laughs> <laughs> Because this, we are not doing enough. Apparently. You've got 66% saying they want more, that we're not covering this enough. Uh, Noted. Yeah, and I think we're going to have to. And that's going to take a lot of work, because that's tough stuff to talk about. I mean, doing scenario design is one thing. Teaching people to do scenario design is an entirely yeah. oh, different yeah, totally. thing. I know your head's spinning like yeah. mine is right now. I know, my head's spinning, and I'm going, oh, my to, God, how I, can I... I know how, how to do can it. I, can I <laughs> well, explain how I do this where it'll make sense to anybody? <laughs> it's that old adage. I'm you going know? to the same You give thing. a guy a fish, he'll eat for a day, right? So anybody can eat a fish. Teach a guy to fish. And, and you're so, out of a job. Right. Well, no. <laughs> well, wait, more yeah, than I, that. I get you, but, but the thing is that... Okay, my process is so screwed up... Right? That I don't know how this could work for anyone else. Well, let's not block it right now. I think that we probably have some but nuggets we can share. Keep but that in mind, because okay. that's something that... That's I'm, something I'm on it. I'm on it, boss. <laughs> right. That's something where, that... And, and that's huge. I mean, the vast majority of people say, we want more of this. You're uh-huh. not covering this enough. Uh, dealing with personal problems at the table. 
1% hate it. 9% love it and want a lot more of it. 58% say we're covering it about right. 22% want to cover it more. 9% want to cover it less. This is almost always a, a, a reaction to the emails we get. We Abs- don't generally talk about this kind of stuff unless we have an brought, email spurring it. There's an email. We prompted. don't talk about problem players unless I, I, someone brings it up. I wonder, and I'm, is mm-hmm. part of that because we are so wildly blessed in the players that we have that we don't encounter these problems very sure. often? I know I don't. Absolutely. I think that's absolutely the reason. I also sometimes think it's a personal thing. We don't want to air our dirty laundry on, on you know, it's that's because, because we, we have, we I have think to... That's fair. Uh, I do. I think Players that's and fair. friends listen to us and we have to work with them and if we're airing our dirty laundry, it can make it worse. Sure. Yeah. I agree. Uh, specific topics of game mechanics. This is also... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess this is a longing for Tappy. <laughs> okay. Uh, z- uh, one person, it actually came in at under under 1%. Doesn't want to talk about this at all. That's that's our hippie gamer. Seven uh, percent want less of this. Forty nine percent want think it's about right. Thirty four percent want more, and ten percent want much more. So that's that's okay. specific topics about game mechanics. And I actually there was a lot of comments in the thing about that as well. Hmm. Most of them attached to where the fuck is Tappy? Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> because he, he has his fan. Because you know <clears throat> Tappy is our our resident. Crunch monkey, right? Um, or non-resident crunch, non-resident monkey, crunch monkey. But we can. I mean, I I would. We can totally talk about that. One of the things I think we're going to run into, though, is because we are system agnostic, or try to be, or right. try to be on the. Even though I mean, we have our preferences, obviously. Sure. Um, but I think we uh, we could run into a in, into a situation where we're. We start comparing how different game systems do things, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure that's where where right. we should go with and that. And I definitely don't want us to become a review show. There are plenty right. of review shows out there that mm-hmm. do it well, and I mean, I personally don't have the time to sit down and read a book well enough where I feel it would be, I would be giving it a, a fair review. That's that's in part a lot of, of cases. That's really my big. That's one of the reasons I kind of threw up my hands with the whole drive-through RPG thing, with all the review copies and stuff we were getting. Within two or three weeks, I was like, Over- I, I can't read all this. I'm <laughs> overwhelmed. Um, maybe we could, and and this is just me spitballing mm-hmm. an idea. Maybe we could take a one episode a month, uh huh, where and make the topic, um. An example of how we do, of how this thing works in this game system. Okay. All right. Something like that. Or maybe pick a system and maybe in advance get a few people together. Yeah. Look at it. Maybe even run an actual play. Maybe, you know, maybe 15 minutes. Just like, um, here's how you do a combat in Savage Worlds. Right. Here's how you do... um, a, a skill challenge in in 4e here's okay. how you do a you know this thing all right that might that might work uh and this also this was actually even bigger than the than the general scenario design npc creation and portrayals which is why i very quickly had the topic we had today mm-hmm. uh hate it stop it zero less of this two percent about right thirty percent 
more of this, 47%. I love this, much more, please, 21%. 68%. We're not covering this enough. We can talk about it some more. There's some other things we did. There's a lot really of stuff today. we can talk about. Oh, yeah. With, as far as characters. Noted. Um, On it. Product system reviews. Kind of surprised me, because like I said, I don't want to be a review show. Right. Zero. I hate it. Less of this, 7%. 46% about right. 34% want more. There's some legal um, issues, too, sometimes. Well, no, not with reviews. Not okay. with doing not reviews. With, right. No. Uh, that I mean, unless we're pirating this stuff. To <laughs> no. That kind of goes back to what we were talking about just a minute ago about do an example. Right. Of That might kind of scratch that same itch. Might kind of scratch that same itch, and we could use that as an excuse to explore game systems that maybe we have... Some of, some of us have not really explored. Like right. maybe we sit down and do a fifteen minute. You know, we're gonna do a fight in fate. Here's how this thing. Here's here's a l- tiny little snippet of fate. Okay. For you. Right. Um, here's a tiny little snippet of Dungeon World. Here's mm-hmm. you know. I but I'd also don't want this to open up the floodgates for people sending us review copies. Because Word. And there's there's yeah. problems with that. I know with RPG, drive, drive through, through RPG, RPG and all we're that. Blacklisted on that shit. Yeah, I probably. That. So <laughs> I, 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 I also don't want to feel associated with the podcast. They never even responded to me. <laughs> <laughs> what a shock! <laughs> yeah, I still I, buy stuff from them. They just oh, don't so like do it. I. I I buy stuff from them all the time, but I don't. Yeah. Their, their, some of their business practices. Fuck. Uh, speaking of off. them, I, I quick plug. Uh-huh. Very quick, small plug. Um, new edition of um, the Tsunami Quarterly Review, which is an electronic magazine put out by Metagamers Anonymous. Um, It is available on drive-thru, and it's $1.95. The best buck 95 you'll spend. Um, Despite the fact that they let that crazy jib guy write for Oh, God, I hate when they let him write. I know. Are the articles short? (laughs) Are you kidding me? (laughs) No, he had to, he had to actually add pages. No, actually, <laughs> it, no, I, it, it I, cost him more money to print it, even though it's only a PDF. He's I still keep, trying to figure out why. I keep it under two thousand words. Okay, all right. Uh, product system reviews. I already did that one. Uh, general gaming and industry news. This is the worst place to come for that stuff. Yeah, we're kind of. Uh, yeah, we te- don't do a general geeky session. No section. No. Th- well, th- this is industry news. So this would be like. Well, who's coming out with what? What's selling? Like covering the RPG, the vast fourteen million dollar RPG. Because it, I, I, the guy from, uh, you want this kind of stuff? Go to RPG Circus because mm-hmm. he covers this. Uh, the, and they, they fourteen uh, in quarter one and two of this year, fourteen million is what the 14. RPG industry. You made. can't even make a movie for that. <laughs> We're pathetic. Yeah. We're it's pathetic. Nothing. It's, well, um, as a someone who is an author of game books, and I were discussing, said, "Yeah, you're not going to get rich doing." Oh this. no, you no, can, no. Yeah, I'm. I'm willing to bet that Scrabble that. alone sells more than fourteen million dollars. Oh sure, yeah. Replacement tiles for Scrabble <laughs> probably sell more than fourteen million. Yeah, I have board no games are that, definitely a I'm, much bigger market segment than we are. Board games was like six hundred million or something. Yeah. It was yeah. big. Miniatures games are pro- are a bigger miniatures market segment than co- we are. Actually, between board games, miniatures, collectible cards, 
and RPGs, collectible cards, was the big honking donkey. Oh, I believe that. Big I believe time. that because that is freaking huge. Yeah. Um, CCGs are are super big ticket item, and also they're they're really inexpensive for the game. Pr- oh yeah. Producers to make, and they're printing fucking money in. Oh heck yeah! When when yeah. Oh, your rare cards. Oh yeah. Jesus Christ. Oh yeah. Um, so smart. The the. Top, I don't remember all of the top five role playing game, and this is best sellers. I don't know if this is units or if this is gross dollars. I don't I have no idea. The reporting on this stuff is shitty. But let me just say, uh, Pathfinder was number one. Not surprised. Uh, what the fuck was number two? Was it Savage Worlds? No, it wasn't Savage Worlds. Savage Look, Worlds the, the the numbers that I have have seen this year had Pathfinder at number one, Savage Worlds at number two. Um. Fate Korth number three. Fate Fate was fourth, and Numenera was five. I can't remember if Savage Worlds was three, and I know I'm missing one. I don't remember. I should have printed but, this out if I was actually going to fucking talk about well, it. Well, see, and maybe that's part of the reason we don't discuss stuff like this because <laughs> we don't keep good notes about you know what's going on in the industry. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go on G Plus and I'm going to look up RPG Circuits because he's already got he's got the article linked. Right and this directed Mark, they I, do a pretty good job of talking right. about the industry I, news I, as I well. I think for me personally, it might be that I'm I don't really care what game system is selling the most you know i have a small degree of interest i have an interest i was actually kind of disheartened by what the gross revenue was oh well yeah no i I get that it would be nice if it was like i think it was 15 million i kind of feel guilty for selling shirts because that might count against those people who are trying to eat well (laughs) um does that count? <laughs> I don't. I don't know, the, the man. The thing is, part of the thing is, um, the the publishers have to undercut prices so much to sell product. Oh, I know. You know. Um, well, I, I know what's going on with music right now and with MP3 downloads and stuff like that. Yeah. And the problem is the production, the front end cost going in. Now uh, we do all most of it in house, but it, it is very time consuming. Right. If you and, got paid for your time, what it's worth? Oh fuck. Yeah. And if you think about when you're producing a book, because just because it's in a PDF, people still want a bunch of artwork. You they still, still got want layout. You still right. got artwork. Yeah. You still got. Yeah, I, I was. And I you're was paying looking, out of pocket for that. Yeah. I, I was looking at at putting together a book uh, not long ago, and uh, the the cost f- for art and layout, and I can do those things, but I'm not. That's not my expertise. Right. So I would want to get someone to do those things, and the the cost is just, you know, to pay them a a living wage for their work, is. You know, scary. It's cost prohibitive, yeah. Um, you know. Okay, uh, card games, f- 450 million. Miniatures was 125 million, 75 million for board games, 35 million for card and dice games, and then 15 million for role playing games. Where does Warhammer fall in, in all yeah, that? Miniatures. miniatures game. That'd yeah. be under miniatures. That would explain. Here's your top five. Oh, I was wrong about Savage Worlds. Uh, number one, Pathfinder. Number two, Star Wars. Number three, Shadowrun. Number four, Fate Core. Number five, Numenera. Interesting. So Savage Worlds is actually under them. It's not even there. And D&D, not there either. Not, not this year. A, not a surprise. 
not as well. It, you know, it's been a while since they've had a new edition come out, right? Um, and or a new product, or a new product because this is the first two quarters. This is so, first two yeah. quarters, and um, to be to be fair, um, a Savage War, Pinnacle has done a couple of oh, actually, I'm products. sorry, that was the, the, those are the 2013 numbers. That's not the first two quarters of this year. That's all of 2013. Okay. That's even more bleak. I thought that's that was m- that's half more a bleak. year. That's, that's more 15 bleak. million in a whole year. Look, when we interviewed Steve Jackson, amongst the many things he said, he but, said, if you want to... There's a reason the motherfucker's building ogre right. boxes. And he said, right. if, he said, if you want to get into gaming, first of all, don't make an RPG. Right. Yeah. Well, or, you know, and, and it's kind of something we've said, we've said before, because, you know, I'm the GM, I buy a set of books, the rest of my players don't necessarily have to. So... You know, the players don't necessarily have to, but in in miniatures games, you know, they're going to keep selling miniatures. In card games, and especially, they're going to keep selling more cards. Um, you know, but once you, you sell one copy of a book, of an RPG book to somebody, you're not going to sell them another copy of that same book, probably, unless something happens to the one they have. It's a sad state that it's, it's a business, not art, you know? Yeah, and it is a business. It... it you have to keep the company going. You got shareholders. You got to keep happy. And it's, it's you know, everybody gets all weird about that. But that's the bottom line. I mean, if the company goes away, you're not going to have any games from them anymore anyway. Right. So they have well, to do what they have to do to keep around well, to give you more games. Well, okay. Here, I write software for a living. That's what I do. I am not going to do that for free. There's because I have I have I have rent to pay. I have a car payment. I have utility bills you know, and they're no different they have to this is what they're counting on to put bread on the table for their kids right and the the, the, di- the difference is uh, the barrier to entry to becoming a computer programmer involves an enormous amount of time learning computer programming languages right and being able to develop, or it, it may not even be something you can develop, it may be a talent to, to be able to structure your problem-solving problem within the context of programming, right. which is a big part of it, right? Yeah. There's only there, there's only a, a small segment of people who are going to have the skills necessary and to, to be able to do that and do it well. Then you also have the whole customer service aspect of it, and right. the people who say no by default and people who say, I'm not sure, let me see if this is something a problem I can solve by default, which is an entirely different issue. But when you look at the barrier to entry into becoming a, a, a RPG publisher, you have to be able to write. A lot of people can write. I mean, you can debate that some, but the way some RPG books are written... You know, be right, be able to write that well. No, <laughs> uh, you need a word processor that can print as a PDF, or you can go out and find several free programs written by programmers who that you can use for layout to get something better than a word processor. Sure, there's templates. Yeah, there's all kinds of stuff, and then uh, let's see distribution. Oh, you don't need to worry about distribution. Drive RPG, and you can get a game up. Probably, I, I don't even know how much it costs yet. I haven't even looked into it. But I'm going to imagine it's going to cost you probably less than $30 to do that. 
So your barrier to entry to go ahead and publish whatever that game is is fairly cheap. Now, if you want it to look good, then you're talking about more expenses. When you start talking about artists, layout, unless you can draw, you're going to have to pay them. Yep. Unless you're going to try to screw them. You only do that once. There and there's some people that have done that. It happens all the time. And you're right. And then and 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 also layout, which I think is something that is very much ignored yeah. by a lot of people. People underestimate how important good layout is. Oh yeah. How often have we gotten books that that are unreadable because the layout's bad? Walls and you, walls of text. Yes. Yeah. If if I was actually putting out a book that I wouldn't that I intended to sell. Right. One of the thi- the the budget items for do- that project is going to be a professional layout person. Sure. Fortunately, I happen to know one. Mm-hmm. Actually, I know a couple of them. But. Right. But, I mean, the barrier to entry is very low to get a product to market. Right. And the creativity part of it, there's a lot of creative people out there. And there's a lot of gamers who come up with really good ideas. Right. So that there are, I mean... All those established people who are producing role-playing games right now, there's a lot of people nipping at their heels that don't need much to get a to get a leg up on them. I mean, fuck! Look what happened to D and D, the flagship game in the entire fucking industry for thirty goddamn years. Released an OGL. Next thing you know, they've created their own monster, their worst nightmare. A competitor who's kicked them out, not only from number one, but out of the top five. Look at look at the numbers that you were just saying. Pathfinder is what number, number one. one. Yeah. yeah, number one, and and that 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 is that that is a tough competitive market anyway. And I'm shocked that the numbers are that low. That that's what that's what spending too. is. Our, I, I'm I'm stunned if we have if we have four thousand listeners. And the whole industry is only producing in 2013, fifteen fifteen million dollars in revenue. Now, to be Holy to fuck. be to be, well, I don't want to say fair, but these numbers are hard to get a hold of. I mean, because because a lot of companies aren't releasing, them. won't release them, or they lie. So right. we we right. don't really know. So no. I'm guessing that's a ball. I don't know if it's high or low. Right. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have and, no idea. And to be fair, the print book industry entire is also suffering. Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then you also have to take the fact that you have drive through RPG, which is essentially the role-playing game's version of iTunes. Yeah. And we all, we know what happened to the economics of the music of music for on our end, on the independent end, yep. once iTunes came about. I mean... Well, it was good for, good for us, because we could get our stuff out there. Get your stuff out there, but also, you've got this guy in the band who gets 35%, and he doesn't write any of the songs, yeah. and he doesn't record any of the music, and he doesn't play guitar, and he doesn't show up to the gigs, oh, I show and up he's to the not gigs. working the merge table. <laughs> no, I'm talking about Steve Jobs. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they, they get a huge cut off of off of that sale. I mean, yeah. the, that, that 99, $9.99 sale. And I, I don't know what drive through RPG's cut is, but you look at the cost of some of the books, and there are some people who are trying to like hold the line. You're like, Alderac, their shit's expensive. Yeah. Comparatively on drive through RPG. I just looked up, what was that, what was the ultimate, what was it called? Yeah, ultimate the- whatever. I looked that thing up. It's like 29 bucks for a PDF. Yeah. There are very few PDFs that cost that much money. Well. And most of them are Alderacs. Interestingly... 
Hero Games, mm-hmm. their PDFs, only slightly less expensive than the print book. Really? Yeah. And you can only... Well... Yeah, I think you can only get the PDFs from Hero Games. Oh, they don't I s- might be wrong about that, but that, I'm think, I don't think you they're used on drive-thru. You used to be able to get them from drive-thru. Uh, Alderac's book Toolbox and Ultimate Toolbox. Ultimate Toolbox is twenty nine ninety five for the PDF. I might be wrong about that, but that's what my memory is dishing up. I'll look, but I think they are on there. I, in fact, I think I used to get review copies of them from the drive through. Okay. Yeah, they have stuff on here. Okay, okay. It's on here. I stand corrected and happily so. Um, so uh, Anyway, back to the thing, because we need to wrap this up, because now we, now we are getting a little long here. Um, hot button gaming topics. Triggers, women in gaming, diversity, things like that. Roy's kind of shied away from that stuff because that stuff gets dangerously to the line of politics. You get real sensationalist. And we and we've, I've, I've kind of had a rule about talking about politics and religion on the show because we don't like to mix. You're, you're, you're getting an RPG podcast, you're going to get an RPG stuff. You're not going to yeah. get our political views. Um, so we've kind of not talked about a lot of this stuff, but we've talked about it some. What, I've, what we've generally done is, like when... They wanted to have the topic about women in gaming. We got the fuck out, yeah, and repopulated the show with women, and they talked about it. So, and I, I think that's probably the trend that we would use. I, I think so too. Part. I also think that they're asking for something that I don't think they really want. It's a it's a dangerous. Well, well it's amazing because this is sort of like the most spread out. Yeah, yeah, but it's definitely skewed toward wanting more of it. it it's. And let me give you the numbers real quick. Sure. Uh, don't want it at all, 3%. Want less of it, 10%. So 13% there want less of that. 44% say we're covering it about right. 28% want more. And 15% want much more. So you've got, what's that, 30, 40... You've got... Doing math. 43% want more of it. 44% say it's right. So right there... Eighty some percent, yeah, or on so, the I mean, mid, mid to, to mid, plus. mid to want more. Yeah, um, the the problem with it is that you know when you open that can of worms, you're going to polarize people, which is where the the whole no politics right thing right. came from, um, and. Um, So, I'm I'm not adverse to discussing these topics. While we were talking about you know the the women in gaming thing, it occurred to me that there's a topic that I've rarely heard discussed, and that is how do men feel about women ga- women in gaming? Because we talk about women and how women are treated in gaming, but we've but a topic that I've never heard addressed is how do men feel about women in gaming? Well, they generally don't bring me sandwiches often enough. See, that's that's that's, that's how this is going to end up. <laughs> Again, I think it's it's they're they're, they're asking for something, but Ow, I don't know I just if it's got the stinging sensation. I, and my wife's all the way in Minnesota. <laughs> I don't understand. Threw a shoe at you all the way from there. <laughs> no, Sorry, just, go ahead. I, I just think that if if it's fair to talk about one, the this is my my position on this topic. If it's fair to talk about one side of a topic, it's fair to talk about the other side. Yes, um, there will be people that will can have have a contention with that, and I can tell you that right away. Right now, that there will be people that will disagree with that assertion. Sure. Um, 
Which is and one they, of the reasons I want to bring this stuff up to begin with. I don't. So it's going to cause. I think a f- if I'm going to do it, it's I'm, we're going. I'm going to evacuate the room. Yeah, and, and bring in the people who. But it, it, so it, it's going to cause a flame war in the booth and in the forums. It won't cause a flame war in the booth because that's the whole point. Is to if I if I hand the show over to someone who I <clears> trust <throat> to make sure that, that I can get a good show, like I hand it over to Kimmy. And said, "You want to do a show about women in gaming? Boom! Do a show about women in gaming. I'm gone. Um, that's fine, but <laughs> I, I, I have to have someone who's on that side because I don't want to cover. I don't want to have three or four white guys talk about what it's like to be a black man at a, at a gaming I, table. I cannot talk you know, about right? that. Do you know what I'm saying? What so I can talk I, about, we can't cover the issues that way. We just can't cover right. The issues that way. What what I could talk about is my impression of having people of color in in gaming. My impression of having women in gaming. Right. You know, but I'm one guy. Right, and 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 that's that, having that 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 episode is. Is it useful? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't think, like you said, it's going to polarize people, and you get hate mail and love mail. And at the end of the day, what have you really accomplished? You pissed some people off, and you made some people happy. But did anything really get resolved? No. Well, you're never going to resolve anything. No. I mean, so. But anyway, I'm figuring out a way to do that. By the way, next week, uh, Aya, Maui, and Twin are back in, so you have next Friday off. Okay. So. Um. But they want to start breaking it up and not come in as a trio after this. But uh, that, that backed by popular demand, I should say. There are okay. a lot of people like them. So. Uh, general g- GMing tips and techniques. This shocked the fuck out of me. We talk about GMing tips all the goddamn time. Uh-huh. 28% say it's about right. 42% want more, and 30% want much more. 72%. We're not covering it enough. Um, I'm not sure how we could cover it more. Wow, I don't know, but it, that I think that shows you how how GM centric our audience is. Well, our, how demographically? I, I was going to say that, that was one of your earlier charts, right? Yeah. So I have a feeling that's that's where that comes from. Is they want more of it, and I think what they really want is two episodes a week. <laughs> And they ain't gonna get that, but and maybe they're passive. Or they're just saying that they don't mind us repeating ourselves because a lot of people don't have the time or patience maybe. to go back through our backlog. On and I know hand. for a fact that we tend to. Well, we've discussed this before, and I'm sure there's people like, "There's, I'm not going to go back five years and listen to when you discussed it. Bring it back up again." Yeah, but on the other, uh, we've also been um, chastised. I was going to go with censured. <laughs> okay, um, <laughs> about telling the same story yeah. over and over again. I would use eviscerated. <laughs> yes. Because I've read the comments, which I'm not going to share with anyone because I promised the people who took this, this survey I wouldn't share the, the private comments they sent. Fair enough. So I'm not, uh, I, those I won't divulge. But that gets, the fact that we repeat our stories has been mentioned on more than one occasion. Yeah. There. <laughs> we only have a certain amount of stories. Sorry. We can only play so much. And interviews. It's, oh, go ahead. I don't set out to tell the same story over and over again. <laughs> I know. It's, 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 I'm trying to, re- to illustrate a point about something, and this story illustrates the point. 
Sorry! I don't disagree with you. <clears throat> Interviews with game designers. I hate this. Stop doing it. 3%. 14% want less of it. When's the last time we review- interviewed a game designer? Now, we had Phil, who I like to call Paul. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we call him a game designer. <laughs> Uh, the last time... Steve Jackson, uh, Shane. Shane Hensley, and... Uh, um, Steve Long. Steve Long. That's like three years ago now. Yeah. So... I, 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 I don't know if we could do less than we're doing now. <clears throat> I don't know. They want less of it? That's that's 14% want less. 39% say it's about right. 30% want more. 13% want much more. So that's... Forty-three percent. Okay, want well, more. So, I mean, there are people I would like to talk to. I'd like to talk, to get Fred Hicks on. I want to play Fate before we actually talk to him. Yeah, that would suck. Um, I have never played your game, but here, let me ask you a bunch of questions. So, heard you got this little game called Fate. What's it about? Yeah. What's, it, what's it all about there? <laughs> um, I would like to have. I would like to get him on. Um, I've approached Robin D. Laws, uh, East Coast guy. Hard. I mean, it's a lot to ask someone. I mean, there, people will do it. Will from the East Coast will stay up till three o'clock in the morning. But right. So, I mean, some people can do it and some can't. Well, there I'd are a number it. of people in in this area who are whose names are on on, on the books. right. Uh, Mike Olson. Mike Olson is local, right? Um. Uh, I just you know, get him, uh, and then also. Uh, I said Kenny Height. Is it Kenny Height? Not yet. Not Kenny, yet. Ken Height. I, w- I would love to have Ken Height on. I think he's in Chicago. I'm not sure. But, I mean, there are people that we could... I I, I can try to get in, and I, I think we got enough listenership now where they might do it. So Yeah. That's try. the other thing. It's, how do you how do you get them to tune into this rinky-dink little podcast here? But you know, now that we have enough people, maybe. It's, they might, it's yeah, way, they to, might. way to expand it. And then the the last thing I ask is about guest hosts, and this is for the most part uh, fellow podcasters cross promotions. One percent don't want it. Eight percent want less. Fifty percent say it's just right. Twenty four want more. Seventeen want much more. So people tend to like that, and they would mind if we had. You know why? Why different stories. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. One leads to the other. But but their podcasts are saying, God, you got to keep telling the same goddamn <laughs> stories over and over again. But when they come over here, it's like, oh, it's a new story. Oh, it's a different story. <laughs> right. So, and then I, then I asked uh, about show promotion. Where you, where uh, where did you find the show? 28% on the iTunes search, 18% on some other podcast directory, 13% on Google or some other search engine. 17%, very high, mentioned from another podcast. Wow. 5% hearing one of the hosts on another show. Uh, 1% social media mention from one of our accounts. 4% social media mention from someone else's account. 14% recommendation from a friend. So tell your friends about the show. It's kind of all over the board there, Importante. Huh? Do you recommend your the, the show to other gamers? 96% yes, 4% no. If you said no, why? They're not GMs. One, uh, 56% said, I never really think about doing so. 11% say, I don't think my players would be interested. 33 and notice I said players. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Even I was skewed when mm-hmm. I wrote that question. And then 33% said other. And I haven't gone into the comments to see what those others were. So there you go. Some interesting data there. Yes. Um, I think even the listeners might be interested in a lot of that because I'm sure they're like, really? And I, th- and I, th- I mean, and, and especially those, those topics, I think that it, that will need to change some of the stuff we talk about. And I mean, especially, uh, general scenario design. And that's that's hard. That's a it's a lot of work I, to prep. I'm more intimidated stuff. about going out and buying a bunch of systems now and learning them all by okay, heart you, so I can you, talk about them. You handle that stuff. Oh yeah, that's gonna be great. <laughs> oh great. <laughs> I have to go drop three hundred bucks on the hero system so I know what I'm talking about. No, no not hero. We've already covered that one. Oh, okay. it's something some new hippie thing. Go to the free ones. Yeah. Go to the free ones. All right. Should we call it? 175 minutes. Well, it was short before. I know it was. Careful what you ask for. I, I wanted to. I wanted to try to get to the survey, but I, I didn't want it to be a whole episode. When listeners of Happy Jacks on PG Pod, thank you for joining us for season twelve, episode thirteen of Happy Jacks on Podcast. My name is Stu. This is Jim. This is Stork, and we'll leave you with a song. And don't forget, Strategicon's coming up in like three weeks. 29th, 30th, 31st, and the 1st of September at the Hilton. Join us. And maybe East Timor, the Tresor Exalted, Girls of Dungeons and Dragons, it'll have find the fatal savage
back all alone, stark naked on the bed. I looked all around the room, but nothing could I see. But a lady shift an apron, which now belonged to me. To me, wasted silent, the hour was eight o'clock. I put my shift and apron on and headed for the dock. The old man cried, boy, check me, boy, and sure I could have found a better suit than that by far to buy for eighty pounds. To me, wasted team, my dear Annie, boy, you knew your girls can't dance the polka. So come on, meet police, sailor men, take a warning when ashore, or else you'll meet some charming girl who's not The preceding program has been a presentation of the Angry Folk Media Empire. Bum, 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 bum.